Cheers, guys. Let's kick it off. Cheers, right. guys. Cheers, yeah. cheers, cheers. Yeah. This is fantastic. All right. So welcome, everybody, to the Alpha Alpha podcast presented by Seabiotics. First time we're saying that. Ah, yeah. Well, you were here for last oh, time. So you missed the first okay. timer. Um, we are four entrepreneur and investor friends seeking the edge in money and meaning. We are Armand Asadi, Eric Johansson, Nick Urbani. Steven Cesaro is out today because he's sick and we didn't want his uh, germs and bacteria spreading in our biome today. Um, so today we are not live. This is a recorded session. We haven't done this in a long time. We haven't done this in a long time. Yeah. We've got some new camera views for everyone. And uh, we have a special guest, uh, which we'll get to today. But um, yeah, support the pod. Uh, you can subscribe on YouTube. All the links are at alphaalphapod.com. And uh, let's see. Um, oh yeah, you can subscribe at uh, streamlabs.com slash alphaalphapod and become a monthly subscriber um, and use the PayPal or the credit card checkout there. I don't think we have any announcements this week. So uh, what are we drinking today, boys? Well, you brought the Modelo. We have two ends of the spectrum here. We have Mexican water beer in Modelo. And then what do we have That's there? Guess. We have a Guinness here. A Guinness. That's is that, is that a specialty of yours? You like the heavier beers? I'm a big fan of Guinness. Although, you know, kind of a misnomer that it's that it's uh, heavy, right? It's Total like- Total misnomer. Uh, this is actually low-cal, uh, low Filled alcohol. with vitamins. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, also, like, it's superfood for Isn't sure. it like a four-point something? Percent? Yeah, it's like 4.5. Yeah. 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 So, so it's, not like a, it's, yeah. it's not like a bowling ball in your stomach. Pe people like, you know, because it's black, they're like, yeah. oh, it must be really heavy. But it's actually, you know, they, uh, the Dude. black happens because they scorch all the sugar out. In the roasting process, dropping so. alpha already. Wow! Have you been to the uh, factory? Yeah, it's so uh, dope. The Guinness it's experience so in Dublin good. is yeah, so fun. It's so good. It's a blast. That perfect pint at the top. Yeah, the view is like it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I think it's a good time to give a shout out to our sponsor. So uh, yeah. our advertiser requires it to be a minimum of sixty seconds. So don't fuck it up. <laughs> uh episodes brought to you by zbiotics go to zbiotics.com backslash uh, alfalfa uh, for 15 percent off of your first order so zbiotics is a probiotic genetically engineered to help you feel better the day after drinking you just drink a zbiotics before you drink go out and drink responsibly and then wake up the next day and get on with your life um i know that i have uh, used it personally many times uh and i find that it is incredible uh, pretty much, you know, as long as I'm uh, responsible about how I drink, uh, I've got a lot of stuff going on the next day, and uh, I never fail to make that happen if I've had a Z-Box before I drink. Um, I guess uh, I'll say also, uh, I guess to give a little bit about the science, um, mm -hmm. Z-Botics uh, breaks down a toxic metabolic byproduct of alcohol called acetaldehyde that forms initially in the gut. That acetaldehyde then goes out in your bloodstream, wreaks havoc throughout your body, and is quickly processed by your liver, but at that point, it's too late. So Zbiotics moves the same function that your liver uses, but moves it into the gut uh, and uh, takes care of that outside of the hide before uh, you have a bigger problem. So uh, once again, use uh, zbiotics.com backslash alfalfa for 15% off that first order. You did so good. Wow. Can, wow. We just, can we actually just like clip, clip. that? <laughs> you yeah. Yeah. Clip that. You use that every so time. Good. Yeah, good. <laughs> All right. So if you guys didn't notice, we have a bit of an expert here today. We have Zach Abbott, uh, co-founder and CEO of Zbotics with us today. Welcome, sir. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's weird to say an ad for my own. I know. Uh, <laughs> we could have forced it on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was fun. That was really good. So, I mean, obviously you have some uh, experience in science. You get a PhD in microbiology, correct? Yeah. correct. And, um, you know, I thought the most important part of background was that you, sir, I believe, are from Sacramento. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. So we are also from Sacramento. Yes. yes. Hey, I'm town. I yes. believe you and I also went to the same high school. 
You went to Jesuit. I did go to Jesuit. Really? Yeah. Best rugby to, team in the West of Mississippi. That's, that's right. Exactly right, sir. How did you know that? Best rugby team uh, in the country. They went out yeah, there. in the country. I, I kind of sold a short there. Dang, we didn't know theater. each other. So we actually only met in at San Diego State. Really? And I was across the street at Rio from both of you. Wow, you went to Rio. I went to Rio. So, <laughs> so we all grew up in like the same neighborhood. Literally grew up Yeah, yeah we just took all as girls, you know, because we went yeah. to an all-guys school, exactly. so I mean, they, they knew where to Did you know how to talk to girls like that? Let's no. be honest. Let's be still, 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 I did a PhD in microbiology. I obviously did not know how to talk to girls. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, oh man. super random, though. That is crazy. Wow. That's and a... I was thinking about this. So there's this phrase we have at, at Jesuit called a man for others, and uh, your product has certainly been a man for others. It is my... Contribution. It is your contribution to to, to society. Yeah. You're so, gonna have to tell us what that means. It's exactly like it sounds. Really, you're a man for others. So, yeah, bud. Our, yeah. our high school wasn't just uh, school; it was mm-hmm. pretty heavily community service oriented. So, you know, as a freshman, you come in and you get this big brother who's just a senior, like some seventeen mm-hmm. year old guy. But like, he's probably talked to a few girls before. You know, kind of show you around. You're just a little schmeagly little eighth grader like you know <laughs> yeah. your hair barely growing out of your out of your chest and, and your chin and uh, they kind of get you together with senior girls and you kind of go in someone's backyard and they're in <laughs> the girl and, yeah exactly and the, and the girls are there to be like so what do you have questions about and and so there, there's a little bit of like uh, camaraderie obviously it's an all-guys school and but uh yeah community service too so that's where where it comes from also it's a it's a Catholic high school, right? Uh, right. Which values like probably like uh, an incredible violated sports. as I've gotten older, but yeah, like yeah. The recruiting is like out of this world. The football, the the, the rugby, everything. Yeah, I mean our rugby team was. I, I was on the rugby team. And, oh, you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a blast uh, to be part of that. Wait, so you went to team. Cal though afterwards. Yeah. So did yeah. you play rugby in Cal? Uh, I was on the team. At Cal. No shit. I don't know how much I played at Cal. Dude, just yeah. said that. <laughs> Whoa. So, yeah. so Cal is that's bad tier, tier one rugby. Yeah, we're national champions and uh, like. You know, all four years I was there. Whoa. Yeah, wow. all right. It's really fun. I mean, really fun to be able to play rugby at that level. Yeah. Zach made us take the stairs, so we get it. You're <laughs> athletic. You're, you're athletic. Look how many headbutted at any moment right now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize what I was getting into. <laughs> you guys are down to play later, right? Wait, what? <laughs> um, all right, Zach. So let's, let's talk about the product first. We want to talk yeah. about the business. We want to talk about non-GMO stuff. Yes. later and, and really dive into that but uh let's talk hangovers so can you maybe just describe us since you're the expert like why do we get hangovers how does it work when we start drinking this modello what's going on in our body and just kind of walk us through it step by step and totally. we've got a bunch of questions for you afterwards. yeah absolutely so like uh a hangover is pretty it's interesting it's a I, I learned a lot about this kind of digging into the biology there and it's a really complicated term um it ends up incorporating like it's a very multifaceted kind of situation, which, you know, it seems like it'd be really simple. It's just like you drink and you feel like crap the next day. But um, turns out there's a lot of stuff going on in there. And um, uh, in large part, though, uh, the, the two major components of it are really like the effects of the alcohol itself. So like the ethanol and then the effects of this metabolic byproduct of alcohol called acetaldehyde. Um, and so both of these molecules kind of contribute to different uh, things that together kind of paint most of the picture. There's other, some, some other fringe things around like congeners and, and things like that but um but for the most part that's what's important and so when you drink uh most of the, you know most of the alcohol gets absorbed pretty quickly into your bloodstream circulates out of your body has the effects that it has and then it makes its way to your liver where it's broken down um pretty quickly uh, or excuse me pretty efficiently by your liver um uh in two stages from alcohol to acetaldehyde and then from acetaldehyde to acetate using two different enzymes and so um, the liver's good at both of them and so 
uh, uh, most of uh, the alcohol goes quickly to acetate, which is essentially vinegar. It's innocuous. Yes, yeah, so there's a question in the Discord about right. about that. Someone wanted to know, you know, the the byproduct of breaking down the acetaldehyde. Right. Is is that toxic at all? No. So no. Acetate is essentially vinegar, um, and um, the you know you're dealing with uh, you know relatively actually it's a short chain fatty acid, which is good for the microbiome and it's an anti-inflammatory molecule. So I mean, uh, the, you know. At this point in the story, I mean, a lot more metabolism happens after acetaldehyde. Excuse me, after acetate, um, generally speaking. But um, from that from from that point on, the detoxification of alcohol is done, um, and then you know there are many metabolic pathways that acetate. But benign on. from there on out, yeah, right? Exactly. Okay, and like all kinds of different stuff can happen from there, but um, not not um, you know not an issue anymore at that point. So um, while that alcohol is, is circulating throughout your body. Um, you know, in addition to kind of having the intoxication effects, it also affects like, um, the way your muscles like store, uh, sugar and like the way your body responds to sugar and, um, it, it inhibits hormones related to hunger and satiation. And so those drunken munchies are in part because your body like literally thinks you're starving or because like alcohol sort of like monkeyed up, like the, the, uh, the huh. works on, on how your how like the hormones that regulate hunger and satiation, which is pretty interesting. Hmm. Uh, even though there's like tons of calories in right and in, yeah. in ethanol itself, ethanol actually is more calorie dense than like carbohydrates or protein. So, so there's um, hormonal things that are going on. Yeah, exactly. So okay. it's like these hormonal imbalances that are happening, and also ethanol binds to receptors in your brain that mess with sort of like sleep wake cycles and uh, excitation and and um, um, depression. And so uh, when you go to bed and there's still alcohol in your system and in your brain, it's like messing with your normal sleep rhythms because your brain is sort of like um, uh, going into deeper levels and then of sleep and then, and then pulling out of them more quickly. Mm -hmm. And so you actually don't reach the deepest levels of sleep when you drink, even though it this might be easier. We've talked about many that. bad things about like what alcohol does to you, but that has to be one of the yeah. worst things. And I think it's one of the things that's like most underrated, uh, or underappreciated in terms of how you feel the next day. It's like people, exactly. people don't, you, you remember when you were like 18, you could pull a nighter. Uh, and then you get, you know, you get older and you're like, uh, you, you know, I think, you know, you forget what it feels like to get like essentially like two hours of sleep. And right. like, if you go to bed drunk, you're basically like not getting. Yeah, I've good. slept nine hours. Right. Drunk, and you, but and it's you, like the equivalent of an hour. Wait, and a half. I'd be lucky to get one cycle. Of sleep. Did you, you used to have the aura ring on. And so you, you would measure that, right? Yeah, I normally have it on. And yeah. I, it's, it's, it's terrifying what it, it does. That's exactly right. It's terrifying. I actually don't like to look. And that's yeah. the ethanol. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ethanol specific. Okay. I would so. say heart rate, 40% higher. HRV, everything is just. And I've, I've, so heart rate is actually related to the acetaldehyde, interestingly. Mm. But yeah, but like uh, that, so like, so those first things are really like the hormonal imbalances, sugar, hunger, sleep, those things are kind of like our ethanol. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have acetaldehyde, which is this like really gnarly, highly toxic molecule, much more toxic than alcohol itself. And, and so mm. uh, good news is that, as I say, you know, most of the alcohol is processed in your liver and very little of that intermediate acetaldehyde. From uh, from the liver, it gets out in your bloodstream. It's usually almost immediately converted to acetate. So the problem is that um, when you're uh, you the small amount of, there's a small amount of alcohol that when you drink it before it gets into the bloodstream, it gets broken down directly in the gut, um, in large part by your microbiome, by the bacteria living in your gut. And so they're concerned about the alcohol, like alcohol is like sterilizing, right? And so they have enzymes that can break down the ethanol in your stomach or in your in your intestines um, uh, into acetaldehyde. But then they don't as as well uh, express the enzyme that converts the acetate in excuse me the acetaldehyde into acetate doing that second step in the reaction that the liver does. So basically, 
even though it's a, a small amount of alcohol being processed in the gut, um, all of that alcohol or nearly all that alcohol is being processed to acetaldehyde, but not subsequently to acetate. So, uh, so uh, a fair amount of acetaldehyde actually forms in the gut. And so colonic acetaldehyde levels, for instance, like we know from like scientific experimentation are five to 10 times higher than they are in the bloodstream. So even though it's a minor source of alcohol metabolism, it's the okay. major source of acetaldehyde formation. And so that acetaldehyde forms in the gut. Um, it's highly soluble. It, it then gets absorbed into the bloodstream. It circulates out your body, kind of like wreaks havoc. And I'll, I'll get into what that is in a sec. Uh, but then it makes its way to the liver and it's quickly broken down in the liver. But at that point, it's kind of too late. And so acetaldehyde can basically like um, cause like all of this, like these crazy, like kind of negative things, uh, yeah. you know, largely by uh, in, interrupting kind of cellular machinery and kind of the way your, your cells and your body function, it can get into your brain. It binds to receptors in the brain and creates sort of, you know, all of these kind of terrible feelings, lots of systemic inflammation due to the, the damage it's causing your body. So... Um, and so the kind of the feelings you have the next day related to acetaldehyde are like that, just like toxic death feeling, the yeah. stickiness, the like, like, you, you know, the really poor sleep is in part due to the fact that acetaldehyde is a vasodilator. And so it causes like increased blood flow, hmm. uh, which creates like over alertness. Um, and like, you know, like actually show the people who are, um, who the next day after drinking are as bad as if they'd had uh, driving as if they'd had two beers. Uh, because like still as bad. Yeah, it, yeah. Not because of the alcohol, like the alcohol is completely out of their system because like essentially the acid aldehyde makes you like the opposite, like alcohol really like dull, dulls your, your kind of, uh, awareness and stuff. And so you're not as able to kind of respond quickly, but, uh, acid aldehyde makes you like overly alert. And so you can't like not pay attention to everything. And therefore like you're unable Whoa. to focus on what you're supposed to be doing. So like all that anxiety and stuff. That's the anxiety. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh that's, that's, that's what that is. This yeah, is so yeah. cool. By the way, I'm learning a lot. Is it is it considered a carcinogen? Because um, you know some people just were doing research, and is it considered some yeah, kind so of pre-cancer? Alcohol, alcohol and acid are both known carcinogens, okay. so both Whoops. pretty bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, you know, so far so good. Though. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you know you should you know be aware every time you kind of take a drink that, that that's what's going on in your body, uh, and your your body deals with these toxins and stuff um, as best it can. And uh, in general, if you drink in moderation and whatever, like you you know you'll probably be fine. And but. Knowing that, uh, that, yeah, that is a choice we make every time. Right. Drink, for sure. Do you have any drinking rules? For myself personally? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, yeah, it's kind of like once you, once you know too much, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, generally speaking, I mean, I, the big things are, I, like the number one things that we talked about before was sleep, right? So z helps yeah. with the acid out of high, but we don't help with the sleep, which is alcohol related. And so, um, I always try to stop drinking earlier. So like, like front load my drinks. Four hours before last drink. At least two to three. So like basically okay. like the average person metabolizes about a drink every hour to two hours, depending on the person. Yeah. Um, and so if you're drinking, say a drink every hour and a half and you stop your last drink two, hour, two hours before you go to bed, then you're probably going to go to bed sober in yeah. terms of the amount of alcohol. I think this is the real alpha it, here. Yeah. And that, like, that, that's a huge critical. difference. Exactly. Yeah. It's a daytime well, partier. Like, Me too. Yeah. I'm going to like daytime for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, day drinking, it's, you know, that's kind of like how I think about it. Like if I am, if I, if I'm going to have like six drinks on the night or whatever, like then my goal is to make sure that there is more than like eight hours between when I start drinking, when I go to bed mm -hmm. and like have more of those drinks earlier, earlier and then give my body time to process them so I can get better sleep. So that's like one of my key rules. Um, another, yeah. I mean, another thing is like, pacing myself is one of the best ways to like ensure that your body basically keeps up hmm. and then like obviously is that just allowing time for the yeah, process basically okay. like you know if you take 
if you take like three shots right in a row, like you're you are going to be exposed to that alcohol and the acetaldehyde a lot longer until your body's able to catch up with that. Whereas if you took those same three shots like over the course like of three hours, like because hour. the liver is breaking that down, right? Like, exactly. And it's it's like a, while. a finite rate at which it can do that for like events. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so you know that that. That's like really important is if you, in terms of you want to feel better the next day, right? Like obviously, like if you're trying to get drunk, right? Yeah. Like you know, yeah. pacing yourself and like all that, like it's not going to work as well. So you kind of have to decide what your, your goal is. But like, if I'm going out drinking and I'm like, look, I got stuff to do tomorrow. I want to make my morning workout. Like these, like that's absolutely the rules I have. Like make sure plenty of time to metabolize before going to sleep, uh, spacing out my drinks and all that kind of stuff. Any types of alcohol you stay away from or prefer? Uh, does, or does it matter? Not, not from that perspective. I mean, I have my preferences, but like yeah. uh, alcohol from that perspective, I mean, for the most part, alcohol is alcohol. Like there are, there are some like slight differences and with congeners and like sort of byproducts of the fermentation. People talk about like, this is cleaner than that. Yeah. And this has less or more sugar. Yeah. Do you, do I think you have a take on that's that? most, I mean, generally speaking, like regardless of the alcohol or the hangover, right? Like the, like sugar is bad for you, right? Like we know right. that and like, that's going to have its own effects on you and stuff. So so, you know, make those decisions the same as you would with like whatever you're putting in your body, but yeah. from a, from a kind of stay section. So. On, on the science, you know, you, your perspective on this is, is different. It's unique. And I think that you are at the, you are, you are pioneering the science here. And I think that's really important for people yeah. to understand. Like, no, seriously, like credit is due. And there's a lot of other generalist scientists out there that are saying something very different from you. They're very focused on dehydration. Yeah. And this question of dehydration versus everything you're talking about. What, what's going on there? Yeah, I, I brought and that every up. Every supplement yeah. that they recommend for us is generally something to mitigate that or totally. to help hydrate you better. Yeah. That. Yeah. But to your point, it's far too late. Like you're already kind of fucked by the time yeah. you are trying to rehydrate or take some supplements. Well, like, and not to mention it. And that'll like, work well. Yeah, I think that like, first of all, like, I think we all secretly know that that's like not, that's all bullshit, right? Like, wives still. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all have to know that, right? Because like, obviously like, like we all if felt like crap the next day. It's like drinking, like if, if, yeah, if it was all dehydration, right? Like then drink, the cure for dehydration is drink water, right? right. And if you drink the water the next day, that doesn't make you feel any better, right? Like, and things that make you dehydrated don't feel anything like being hungover, right? Like, right. like working out, yeah. uh, eating salty foods, right? Like, you know, being in the mm. sun, these things don't feel anything like being hungover. So mm. obviously it's not dehydration. Like we know that so well, not to mention that there's literature, like scientific literature, scientific studies dating back to like the forties that they definitively show that alcohol does not dehydrate you. So like oh. they show like, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's this like pervasive myth. So alcohol does inhibit the antidiuretic hormone, which mm. is what people notice when they pee more, right? But it, there actually are studies that have shown that you actually only pee one extra time. It's only when your blood sugar, excuse me, when your blood alcohol initially spikes, that signal is like one extra pee. And then after that, you pee the same amount as if you were drinking, you know, tall boys of water all right. night, right? Like you're just putting a lot of fluid in your body. Um, and so there's no electrolyte imbalances. There's no glucose imbalances. Like all this stuff is well established in the scientific literature, but that doesn't do well for marketing. Well, they right? just don't have a better answer. Right. So and so then we just keep hammering that home. Just, and like yeah. the pervasive kind of myth of like, yeah, like, look, you pee more, like alcohol dehydrates you. So like, it will fix it for you. And that's the problem. And it's like, yeah. very clearly not. I mean, I often joke that like, look, it's 
6,000 years of human history that people have been intentionally consuming alcohol. No one's ever tried to drink water before? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, or like, you know, like these like vitamins and like magical roots and stuff. It's like, we would have found that like before 2016 or whatever. Like, like obviously this is a more complicated problem than like, you know, milk thistle, right? Like, okay, that's what I was only going to bring up too. Yeah. Like, Hold on. So I want to ask you about the water because like one strategy when you're drinking is to like mix in a, a water right. in between your beverages. Does, in your estimation, then, does that only serve to like, um, you know, give more time for the, for the liver to process yeah. the ethanol? Exactly. So not a bad practice by any means. Like, I'm not here to say don't drink water. Like that's still good for you, <laughs> but you're not, you're not treating dehydration in that scenario, right? Like, yeah, it, it's good because it helps you pace. Uh, it helps keep your blood volume higher so that like, so, you know, if you're dehydrated then your blood alcohol by definition is like, you're more concentrated. Um, so that's important. And then also your liver and your kidneys are working in overdrive to deal with this, like, well, like we talked about this, like known toxin, uh, that is ethanol. Right. And so lots of water kind of flowing through your body helps your, your organs function properly. Could you so, like theoretically pee it out faster, perhaps if you're drinking more water? Uh, pre I mean, basically like by increasing your blood volume or diluting the alcohol and then you're peeing okay. more. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, so uh, there is some benefit there. Yeah, certainly. And like, so hydration is a good, is a good step. It is not helping you with the hangover the next day. Yeah, so like the the brand name Liquid IV comes to mind. Right. Because yeah. like it implies that like, you know, you're going to get the same benefits right. like That's curing right. your hangover as like, you know, IV. when you're taking an IV and totally. some medicine and stuff like that. Right. So you have to compete against that. Totally. I mean, and uh you know, that's fine. Like the good news is that these, these companies are not like the vast majority of people who drink alcohol don't take out any product. Let mm. them, like, so it's not like, we're not like competing with like, you know, with any of these other kind of brands like liquid IV or anything, right. That first of all, I was blown away by the way that not to like the, the <laughs> brand, of us, on them. <laughs> but like, yeah, like, I mean, I mean, they're a super successful brand and they've done a lot of really good things, but I mean, like it was like, there's like something like, like 15 grams of sugar yes. and like uh -huh. one of those, I'm like, I thought that it was just like vitamins. Like I no never used it before. And it was like vitamins and like electrolytes. I was like, whatever. And like, so, you know, we, we bought some to like, um, you know, look at like their packaging and stuff like that. We're early days, whatever. And I was like, oh, you know, cool. Like, you know, why not have some like electrolytes? So I open up, I pour it in. I'm like, oh man, this tastes like, really sweet yeah look at it like oh my god it's like a it's like a pixie stick man it's like yeah. they would have done better just putting salt in the package and yeah. like just giving you some electrolytes instead of all the I mean, sugar i think they probably argue that they're doing pretty damn good like you know yeah, like, all right yeah you're like, right they tried to do like the salt packets like they gave us a cow rugby once and we were like it, it tasted like like marsh water it was bad so apparently like <laughs> you need the sugar i guess but i think a simple way to explain it for people is that you're attacking the problem at the core the mm -hmm. root and you're about prevention but, I mean, basically, fundamentally, to your point earlier, until Zbotis came out, nobody had ever decoupled gut acetaldehyde from the rest of the of the things you're dealing with the al the blood alcohol, the the liver acid, any any of that. Like, right, we were the first to specifically deal with that. And right, so I had we had a lot of data to support a strong hypothesis that that would be beneficial. Um, but nobody had ever there. There's no data out there before to show that that would work because nobody had ever taken this approach before. So we went in, kind of, you know like basically like, Hey, I think this is going to work, but let's find out. And so we were, you know, obviously we did a lot of, we built the product. We did a lot of testing before we launched the product. And, uh, so when we walked away, you know, or when we, when we decided that we were going to kind of bring the world's first ever genetically engineered probiotic to market, um, you know, go through the trouble to do that and not sweep vitamins in a bottle and like stop yeah. them, which have been a lot easier. It's like, it should work or why would we bother? Right. If, we, right. if it doesn't work, we, there's all kinds of placebos that we can put into a bottle for, for a lot easier. So, we, you know, we were really, 
passionate about making something like the whole goal here. I'm sure we'll get into this later is that like this technology is really important and um, genetically engineered probiotics are really like the next, um, you know, opportunity, I think in, in improving people's like healthy people's health. Um, and so this was meant as sort of a, a proof of concept for what we could do with genetically engineered probiotics. And so if we're using that as a way to prove to people that it probably works, hmm. then we should definitely make sure that it actually works. Right. So that, that was really important to us from the beginning. Yeah. So I have two more uh, science questions to. But I have one too before you have one. Yeah. Because like uh, you're so fun. You're so fun. Us. So we want to <laughs> scratch the itch here a little bit. Can you tell me about the sugar? So I, I've worn a continuous glucose monitor before. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll I'll be fine and I'll drink some alcohol and then my sugar levels will drop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of confusing. Totally. Because I'm I feel like I'm adding sugar to my yes. body. So. Are you able to explain what happens in my body when when my continuous glucose monitor shows my yeah. my glucose levels dropping? I know I thought that was pretty funny too. Like I I, I wore a CGA for a little while, uh, and it was like like uh, drink alcohol, blood sugar goes down. Exercise, blood sugar goes up. It's like uh, yeah, you know, exactly. so don't exercise if you drink. Got it. What's, what's the story, CG? Is that what we do now? Uh, so uh, yeah, basically, I mean. It's kind of what I was getting at earlier that, you know, without getting into too much detail on it, it's essentially like alcohol is is causing sort of endocrine imbalances with like ins with your insulin um, and like uh, uh, blood sugar storage versus versus blood sugar. Uh, and so there is like I believe and you know, so I'm, this is not my area of expertise, I'm not an endocrinologist, right. but like there is mixed data and there's not really sure yet about uh, the, there's indications, correlative indications that alcohol is not give for diabetes uh even if it does reduce <laughs> no shit yeah your blood sugar <laughs> yeah, okay. but uh uh you know that being said i mean like truth is that, like there isn't definitive evidence on that you know huh. so like it's it's unknown um kind of or i should say that there is there's data in both directions so okay. i mean it definitely has like a, a negative effect on many aspects of your health um and it definitely changes the way your body can navigates and deals with both blood sugar and insulin yeah which are both really important for metabolic health um and it essentially like like messes with this kind of scales your body's normally because like the next day i'll notice like what while you're fasting glucose is 10 15 20 points higher and i, I didn't eat anything right right and eat any like you know exogenous I mean, sugar but it's just level acid and inflammation too right like that's not just the that's not just the direct effects of the alcohol on that on the endocrine levels that's also like you are like you have higher cortisol and stress because like of the anxiety and yep. like, right you have like uh, vasodilation and you're dealing with a really bunch of stuff at that point and so like many of those things are kind of fusing. and not everybody's body is going to respond the same way in that scenario either right all right one last specific question so well, i got i got a couple oh, more too yeah. uh, okay okay well this one's pretty specific so someone in our community might have noticed a decrease in the asian glow that you get uh when you when you drink alcohol is that it, first of all, does do you know if that originates from the inability to process the acetaldehyde? Yes. And uh, mm -hmm. how do I look? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're looking, you're looking okay, a little rosy, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, is that related at all? And does Zbox help with that? Yeah. So that uh, flush reaction is exactly what I was talking about earlier. So acetaldehyde um, causes vasodilation, right? And so for like wild type people, uh, that uh, that you're you're not really exposed to a lot of acetaldehyde. It's a small amount, but acetaldehyde is highly toxic, so dose makes the poison there. But um, there are you know there is a there are some people who have a mutation in the enzyme in their liver and systemically throughout their body that breaks down acetaldehyde, um, and so that's the ALDH2 enzyme. And um, that enzyme, uh, you know, in, in people, it's that mutation is common in people of East Asian descent, and so okay. you often see 
that basically what happens there is that, as I said, that, you know, most of the alcohol is absorbed in your bloodstream. It's processed by your liver in those two stages. Well, like the, that's the vast majority of the of the, meta of the alcohol metabolism. And so in, in people with that mutation, they're they're ending up to get, getting a shit ton of acetaldehyde coming out of their liver mm -hmm. as opposed to in the gut where like for a wild type person, the gut is the major source. It's a small but, but important source, right? And people with that mutation, they're getting systemic levels of acetaldehyde that's like way higher than, than wow. um, people who don't have the mutation. Mm -hmm. And so- uh, z is not really designed to help there, right? We don't have access to your bloodstream or your liver, right? And so, um, it's really meant for people, uh, you know, where, uh, where, uh, the majority of the acid is being formed in the, in the gut. So z will still help with that gut drive acetaldehyde. It's just kind of a drop in the bunk in that right. point. Okay. Um, so, uh, you, we do have anecdotal kind of people say like, oh, I think this might've helped for me. And then we have plenty of people who are like, this didn't help at all. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I think like, it's, so I have to tell my friends who like, who have that, that, um, you know, to, you know, be mindful of the fact that like, that is like a visual, visual signal that like you're being exposed to a massive amount, like a pretty nasty molecule. Wow. Um, and they, they're definitely like higher rates of cancer and people with the, that mutation and stuff. So especially colorectal and esophageal cancer yeah, and stuff. So he, he specifically mentioned throat yeah. cancer. As, right. As exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's because, you know, like you have like, uh, enzymes on all the cells and like the lining of your, of, of your throat and, and your stomach and your intestines. And they're all expressing both of those enzymes all the time. And then if you don't have the second enzyme, then every cell in your body is basically functioning like the microbiome in a, in a, you know, like say in a wild type person. Um, and so you're just getting acetaldehyde everywhere. What's that phrase you keep using? Oh, a wild type? A wild type? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's sort of like a joke. And I realize that that's not like going to land with anybody who's not like a biologist. Uh, you know, so you know, in, uh, we do like studies, we have like, we make a mutation. And so then there's like the mutant and then there's the wild type, like the, the, the non-mutated population. <laughs> like H null or whatever. Like yeah. 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 yeah, like yeah. Control so, group. Or so yeah. There, so, so, so wild type, what I mean to say, sorry, is that like, it's somebody who doesn't have, who has like a functional ALDH, uh, in, uh, okay. enzyme. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. So my, my two questions are related one to the ethanol and one to the acetaldehyde. So, um, you know, we know that Z-Biotics uh, breaks down the acetaldehyde in the gut, right? And my understanding is limited, granted. So my understanding is that that's a toxin. So if you can remove this toxin, you know, broadly, that's going to be healthier, not just like sort of like for your feelings, not just for like for your your hangover symptoms, but just like healthier. Is that? Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of like, we, I, I don't want to put you on a. Yeah, we definitely don't know that. Right? right. So like, like we can't like, that's, you know, that would require like sort of like, like, like longitudinal a, population like studies to establish anything like that. And so we have no idea whether or not the, like, it, I mean, for all, uh, for all its purposes, what we, what we do know is that it, it won't, it definitely does not make alcohol any safer or less damaging, right? Like in any way. Um, and we, we know that for a fact. The ethanol. Yes. And also like the amount of acid that we're breaking down is while it's very important for the way you feel the next day, this is not like, there is no data to suggest that that is important in any way to your health. Um, and so and you, you know, haven't studied it though either. No, I mean, it'd be extremely hard to do that, right? We're not yeah. a drug company. We'd have to establish, like I say, like longitudinal studies, right? Of people who are drinking with and without the product over you know, because th these things, these are health effects that would happen over like cumulatively over years, right? And so we have to sort of like study that over time. So we have no data to suggest that that's cool. not true in any way. And you're not making that claim, but I'm going to take it as such. I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't, honestly. <laughs> I'm okay, you, so my second yeah. question is yeah. about the ethanol. So like yeah. a lot of people have their own little uh, drinking routines, like before they go to bed or whatever. Um, is there anything you can do to the ethanol? Like if you take activated charcoal, something that I do, is there like, 
Is there anything you can do to like mute the ethanol component? So there are a lot of stuff out there that we like, you know, I think don't have strong hypotheses, but we can't really say one way or the other. Activate charcoal is interesting in that there's actually data to show that it's complete bullshit. So like, <laughs> I would definitely, like if there's one thing I can guarantee you to not waste your money on it, Black that, there's actually been studies that show that like it is definitely like can, does not help. Like the quantity, you have to see like two kilograms or something. I think they like worked it out. They have to eat like two kilograms of, of activated charcoal to actually like effectively absorb like the acid or, you know, is it insane amount? So. Uh, like the two little charcoal pills is like a yeah, like the whole purpose was like in emergency situations right. where you needed they do. They it. Yeah. Like fill your like full. That's right. Oh, they don't do drop two little pills down your yeah, throat. Exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> Someone got the fun idea to cap yeah. put it in a capsule. Right. And, yeah. yeah. But it's sort of like, you know, a, a spurious kind of extrapolation that will like if a lot works for somebody with alcohol poisoning, a little work for me because like, right. yeah. So, uh, so there in terms of the alcohol itself. So it's a good question. And I think that there is. A, I think that there is a reasonable hypothesis, although the data is not there yet, that um, that there's a, 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 an ingredient that's in, in some products called DHM, so dihydromyrocetin, yeah. um, which is like, or some people call it like oriental raisin tree extract or whatever. Um, so it can bind to the same receptors in your brain as alcohol can. Um, and so there's a reasonable hypothesis that it could the, theoretically... Um, competitively work against alcohol's effects in your brain while you're sleeping, mm. right? So like, so like, you know, the alcohol binding the receptors in your brain causes poor sleep. It's a reasonable hypothesis that maybe if you had DHM at the end of the night, it could like kind of interfere. How do we, how do we get that? Oriental get that raisin tree? Why has no one told me about this? Uh, I mean, <laughs> so a lot of the hangover products that are out there right now have DHM. They have it. Yeah. Okay. You can like, buy a pure on like- Yeah, you can buy just whatever. DHM on like on Amazon, stuff like that. And so, yeah. so I think that, like I say, there isn't data to say that that actually can help you sleep, I think it'd be if you, you know, if you've I mean, got, a, you've got a whoop or something, you know, it's all I ever took until yeah. I discovered Zbiotics. Right. And I don't know, did it help? Like, I think what I feel the next day is everything else we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Like, helping with some of the effects of the alcohol is nice, but it, it was almost indistinguishable, right? You know, at least anecdotally, like right? Just being able to express yeah. like, how did I feel? And that's exactly what you know yeah. what we were going. You know, th that was the thing, right? Like, you know, these effects of alcohol. Are important but like they're they're dealable right like you yeah. good breakfast right like some caffeine <laughs> right like you know whatever you can handle that stuff like that misery and like a toxic death yeah, and a systemic that inflammation that stuff that's the lingering stuff yep. that we really wanted to deal with so so we felt like acid was the more important thing to focus on we also didn't want to mess with your body's ability to, to metabolize the alcohol right like people drink for the reasons they drink if you're just kind of working against the like you're putting in the alcohol and then taking the alcohol out like chemically it's like just Drink less, like if right. you don't want like that effect mm. and whatever. So I think that uh, that was it. Got a little dicier for us uh, on that on that front. Um, we can transition. Yeah, to we can be on this but forever. I, can I get one more question, not related to alcohol at all? Yeah, yeah. Because like it seems like you might have an opinion on this. Do you have any opinion Probably. on these uh, GLP one drugs at all? Ooh, so like I love this question and oh. things like that. I mean. I thought actually so like definitely dabbling into territory. You guys see Walmart's uh, food? Uh, oh yeah, has dropped. Their sales have dropped because it was empty. No, yeah, no, they're that's, saying that, that's not. They're that's saying that there's gonna be like even a one no, percent a one percent, percent decrease in food consumption is gonna be massive on their global global impact. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Keep so, out today. People aren't buying as much candy and chips, <laughs> man. Well, I mean, so I, I find it to be again. So to full disclaimer, I mean, we're getting definitely the area that I am not. An expert at but 
That's okay. We I, all do this all yeah. time. Yeah. Instead of being an what, artist, you're in the podcast. Amazing. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's fascinating. I think one of the most interesting things about it, right, is that like it allows people to lose weight by just making them less hungry. Like right? it really is as simple as that, which yeah. I never would have believed, right? Like I would have thought, like, I mean, surely like people like eating less, like would like that wouldn't work, but. Um, cause I just, you know, I would assume that you still like, you'd still have like the urge to eat, even if you weren't hungry or whatever, but like it, you know, I was talking to, uh, like, a, an uncle who basically was on, on one of these drugs and it was just like, he was like annoyed by it. He was like, yeah, I go to the, I go to the buffet and I can't get my money for it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, I, he lost like 50 pounds and I'm like, dude, like this, He's like, you know, man, like, and he's like, he's annoyed. Like, you know, like, so bigger symbol M NVO, by the way, uh, what's that one? That's, uh, that's the maker of Ozempic. Oh, NVO. Yeah. I like a little basket of GLP one. There's that Eli Lilly has has a good one are you are you aware of it like there's always going to be like a trade-off of these things like and it, it seems like it it does mess with your hormones so are, are you aware of any like, trade-offs with a middle i'm not aware of anything i mean it wouldn't surprise me you know like there's there's no, nothing's free yeah you know? like, exactly so uh you know and, and that's one of these ads we talk about that a lot it's like right it's like this is like our products like it's not a get out of jail free card you still have to be responsible like anything that's like like easy is is a hard sell i think you know so um uh, it'll, I'll be interested to see what happens. I mean, so far, I mean, if, if it's really just causing you to dampen your, your hunger, like, I mean, like that feels pretty safe. Like, it's but it's funny how these things happen though. It's a similar thing that kind of happened with metformin, right? Yeah. You know, where you right. have this like lo a longevity benefit right. that nobody like, expected. Totally unanticipated. Yeah. It's yeah. super interesting. And I mean, like, I hope that generally speaking that like with like adequate study, like these types of products, when we see these sort of like these benefits, right? Like we live in a modern world where we're like, Humans evolved to deal, uh, to, to live in scarcity. And now we live in plenty. Mm -hmm. And so like all of our reward signals and everything are like tuned to the fact that like, I'm never going to get another Pringle again in my life. So I need to eat all of these right now. Like that's what like our brain is telling us. And so, um, you know, having modern technology help us live in a world with like of plenty, I think is like really important. So hopefully that's, Love it. you know, kind of, uh, how, how this goes. So I want to dive into the business now. Like we're all entrepreneurs in our own right. So, so Eric runs a wealth management company. Armand is in tech stars, has an AI startup. I have an e-commerce company. I'm, I'm really curious. What does your manufacturing look like? Like, yeah. like, is it, is it, is it a lab? Is it, is it a pristinely clean factory? Is it, is it contracted? Like how, how does that look like? Yeah, and how does it work? Garage, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I still feel in twos back there. Yeah, it was really I, weird. I, I wasn't even saying anything about no, it. No, yeah. So we, like, it was one of those things where we, I, I very naively assumed early on that like, look, we're growing bacteria. Like this is something that humanity has done like for millennia. Um, and so this should be, there's lots of companies that do this. There's like, you know, these probiotics companies and they, these big bioreactors and like, this will be easy. Um, it turns out that it's really hard to get somebody to be willing to grow your bacteria if it's if it's yours, like if you invented it, right? Like they're used to kind of just growing this list of like, you know, the five or 10 strains of probiotics that everybody white labels. Yep. And then if you're like, hey, we have this new one and they're like, we don't want that, you know? And so um, it was a challenge to find somebody to work with us, especially early on when uh, we were pretty small scale. So we had to like sort of like, beg and plead and like you know we, we got like some company to like turn like one room of like of one of their you know facilities into like like a food grade facility for us you know wow. and stuff so it was like 
it was a big challenge. So much harder challenge than I anticipated. The manufacturing has sort of been like a continual thorn in our side, but we have finally, especially as we scaled up and got more success. And so we have like bigger volume. Can you give us a sense of time? Like when did things really start to scale up for the company? Yeah. I mean, so we launched in August of 2019 uh -huh. um, and things were going great until about March of 2020. <laughs> oh, weird. What happened? <laughs> yeah. And then we were just all baffled as to why. Yeah. So we were like, you know, we like anchored everything around, um, you know, when we first launched, it was all about like one of the, so before we launched, my co-founder and I, we handed out literally like 10,000 samples. We had like thousands of conversations with like people about the product and about like what their concerns were and their objections and all these sorts of things. And like, and figured out kind of like what the messaging was that really worked for people. And I think one of the big insights we had early on was that like people do not like to identify as drinkers, like, and as people who are gonna like feel bad than, or drink too much that they're gonna feel bad the next day in any way. And so it was really important to kind of position the product in a way where um, people understood that the product wasn't about being like a Vegas, like frat boy, right? It was like, mm -hmm. this was about like being responsible, like another tool in your tool belt make your morning workout, like make your, that morning hike, whatever that might be. Um, and so I think that that was really important positioning. And so what we found was that like one way to kind of overcome your early skepticism and like people having to deal with sort of like, like if I buy this product, am I just admitting that I have like a drinking problem? You know, like trying to get over that. We were like, you know, we had to start by saying like, like, Hey, this product is for like special occasions, you know? And so we like anchored on like weddings and trips yep. and like all this kind of stuff like that. And then of course, you know, March 20th, like everything, all of those things stopped, right? Like there were no more weddings and there was no more travel and there, you know, there was no more like big happy hours and stuff like that. Right. People so, just sat at home and drank instead. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's what we learned was that like, um, while like those, so, so obviously all of our marketing and stuff like these ads of people like cheersing and stuff and, and being together and like, it was social, yeah. it was all about being together and ZYX was like part of that. And uh, none of that made sense anymore. And so we had to like, kind of figure out like what we were going to do, like how we were going to kind of adjust. We like pretty immediately saw that this would be an opportunity though, because like ultimately uh, there was going to like, that was not going to be enough, right? Like to, for us to grow, like we wanted to grow, like, right. That was sort of the low hanging fruit. And so, so what we decided to do was like, let's sit back, let's see who continues to buy the product and let's see what the value prop is now. And that's going to be a much more resilient value prop, right? And so well, that's exactly what we saw. So we were growing great for the first like five or six months. And then, you know, uh, growth stopped. We stopped all advertising and customer acquisition. There's no point in, like shouting into the wind. But what was interesting was that we just saw like our sales like plateaued. They didn't go down. Um, and so we were still making like the same amount of money uh, roughly every month, like 40, 50,000 a month at that time. You know, it's kind of just, just after we launched. And we were like, okay, like who are these people who keep coming back and buying more? And who are these new people? And so we just reaching out literally on the phone, talking to people. And we saw that like, it was, it was exactly that. It was like people who were like, Hey, I'm, you know, I, I spit a bottle of wine with my significant other and like COVID I'm like, you know, building up all these new health routines. Like I'm going to go work out in my garage in the morning or whatever. I'm going to go for a run or whatever it is. And so they were building all of these health routines in their lives that were really important for them to like maintain. And so mm -hmm. missing a day because they drank the night before was like not an option. And so then like having Zbiotics as like an opportunity to make sure that they could still unwind and like socialize and do the things they needed to do even in like lockdown, um, but mm -hmm. then be able to kind of like maintain those healthy routines and habits. That was like really important. So, so that fine tuning is so like you've nailed it. Like yeah. that's that messaging, that understanding of that target segment like that customer profile is everything because it is all those people that we attract 
through the pod. Everybody we talk to, it's, yeah, it's yes, like exactly the, the people that want and feel they deserve those drinks after a long day or week and still want to get up and do that 6 a.m. hike. That's, that's exactly right. And it was like the idea that like the drinking was like the product was not about the drinking, right? The drinking event was going to happen either way, right? Like that was, yeah. I think that was one of the big insights we had was like people like wanted to have a drink, right? Like here and there, or like for whatever the reason that might be. And during COVID, it was like unwinding. It was like connecting with people, you know, through Zoom or whatever. And then like afterwards now it's like, you know, like going out with your friends after work or whatever that might be. Like those things were inevitable. They were just going to happen for people. Um, and, and so what people really associated with was like, what, what are the impacts or consequences of that uh, the next day, like on my healthy routines and habits? And like, how do I continue to be a healthy, responsible person, even with these sort of like right. normal social adult interactions? And so, so that's kind of what we tailored towards. Um, and then, and so our manufacturer pulled out on us in COVID. They basically were like, hey, we're going to, we're going to use this facility to, uh, to do um, new projects related to like infectious disease and COVID and stuff. And so we're like, oh, great. That's good for humanity. That sucks for us. So we, we like basically pulled out like, uh, you know, all of our, uh, our advertising and everything and really tried to stretch our existing inventory for, for our current customers until we could get a new, uh, manufacturer on board. So we finally got somebody else on board, um, in, uh, April of the next year in April, 2021, turned things back on, like immediately sold out, like, and then, wow. And then, you know, managed to get another stock pile up and like turn back on again in May. And since May of 2021, it's been like, you know, exponential growth uh, for the last two and a half years, basically. Like, man, can you get me into that mode of where you don't have a manufacturer? Yeah, yeah. And you have employees. Yeah. Like, things got to keep running. Totally. So what was that time like when you're like, we need to find a manufacturer? Yeah. Were you like Googling everyone, cold call everyone? Like, totally. And what was the negotiations? Like what got it over the hump in order to get convinced that one manufacturer, like, fine, we'll do it. It was crazy. It was, it was, uh, that was a uh, fun time. So, I mean, it was still, we're still at that point, we're a really small company. I think there was like five or six of us, right? And we're, so it was like all hands on deck here. Like we're trying to parallel path. Like, look, we need like marketing to be ready for when we turn back on. It's so, like, you know, we're doing all this customer discovery and like, you know, kind of tweaking the brand and the messaging and stuff like that. Trying to give them stuff to do while you yeah, don't have products. I mean, basically, <laughs> and like, you know, like, like, can we use this time effectively? We hired a, a head of growth and it was basically like, hey, welcome to the team. We're not growing right now. So, you know, <laughs> uh, she was pretty cool about that. But uh, yeah, so we had to figure all this out. So it was, it was crazy. We were like, we literally like were on the phone with, uh, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of manufacturers all over the world um, until we could find somebody who was willing to kind of work with us. Um, uh, and we finally found this company. So we did two things. We were, we were pale of having like, like many different options to try to get something going. So one thing is we found this, this company in the Netherlands. Um, and so they were, uh, pretty like expensive and, but we were like, Hey, like they're willing to do it. Let's go with them. Um, and so it, with manufacturing, so this, and I'm talking specifically about like growing the bacteria. And so we grow the bacteria in these big bioreactors and then we purify out the bacteria and turn them into a powder. And then, and then we ship that over to a bottler who then like formulates it mm. and puts it in a bottle and everything like that. And so the bottler we still had, it was the, mm. it was the probiotic uh, manufacturer. And so um, this company in the Netherlands was like pretty expensive. Um, and this industry does not move quickly. Like you have to do like multiple scale up runs and everything. And so it takes like, you know, nine to 12 months at least. Ooh. Yeah. It's brutal. Luckily we kind of already started, uh, this process. And so we were able to kind of like move it a little bit more quickly, but we weren't going to get product until we knew like May. And so in the meantime, we had like a small startup that literally had, so we were talking, these bioreactors we were at that, at this time we were talking about was like 
you know, 500 liters, two, 1,000, 2,000 liters, something yeah. like that. Um, we were talking to a, a startup uh, in, in the Bay Area that uh, was uh, doing, like had a 30 liter bioreactor. So this is like- Tim with a jug of water that's in my office? I mean, basically, okay. yeah, like it's <laughs> like, yeah, 30 liters, I mean, like whatever that is, it's, uh, you know, like seven or eight gallons, right, of water. Yeah, so like, this is like a small, like, and they're like, and so they literally like, they're like, hey, let's, let's, let's do it. So they build like, uh, uh, they have this like space and it's like a, a warehouse. And they like build a, um, a glass, like walled, like temporary setup. They get it certified with the FDA. They get it all clean room with like positive airflow and everything. And so they, they literally like make a room for their like this little like 30 liter bioreactor. And then they do, they, they, it's not like, that's nearly enough to make enough doses for us. So they had to do 10 runs in a row and combine all of the material to get like one batch wow. for us. And so they did that and they managed to, that's when we, and so they got that done in like March and then we launched that material in April and sold it out in two weeks. So you went with the startup? Yeah, we did. I'm first. And we were trying to buy time until the bigger company uh, was I able see. to, was able to get on board. And then, and so they, they sold out super quick, but they gave us like a month of sales. And then the bigger company in the Netherlands ended up like, then their batch came through and, we, and that's what we launched with again in May. Uh, so we did all this work with a startup to get like one month of sales, which was like, you know, shortened it by one month or whatever. But, uh, I mean, it was all, we didn't know, we didn't know how right. long it to take everything. And so, yeah, that was, it was crazy times, but it was just like every day we were and people were like, you know, are we gonna, are we, are, are we gonna have material? And we're like, oh, it looks like February. Ah, oh, it looks like it's gonna be March. You know, like it just, it was terrible. Uh, but luckily since then we have, you know, we have never sold out again. And we've like, you know, we've now moved. So the company in the Netherlands actually went out of business. Uh, they went oh, bankrupt. No. Luckily, uh, they went bankrupt. Like we are already looking for another, uh, manufacturer. So we now have two manufacturers in the U S um, both, which are now at like the um, 20,000 liter scale, 40,000 liter scale. So much, much bigger scale. So now they're more than happy to take. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. Now we're at a scale where it's actually easier to find folks that are willing to work with us. Um, and so, you know, even at a thousand liters, that was still considered like pilot scale for a lot of facilities and stuff. So, so yeah, we're in a better place now. We have a bottler and we're building in redundancies everywhere so that, you know, if a fire or like somebody like, uh, you know, or somebody goes out of business or something we're we're always kind of covered. So Zach, one of the things I'm always fascinated by is the journey that various startups take to achieve product market fit. And in particular, you know, you're a physical product, it's consumable. You began with developing a technology, if I can call it that. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Can, yeah. And then said, I now need to find a customer for this. Right. And I need to fit it in. And if I'm not mistaken, you did YC yeah. in 2018? Yeah. 2018? Right. Yeah. So you go through this process, you launch after Y Combinator, you go through everything you just told us. At what point did you really start to get, like, what did it look like? What did it feel like quantitatively and even qualitatively? Totally, yeah. Because it's I very mean, different from, from company to company. Yeah, I can I can start a little bit further back than that even. I think that, like, you know, product market fit started, like, I started this company as, like, a scientist without a clue, right? And, like, uh, so I had this idea for this for this tech, right, this genetically engineered probiotic, and I was really excited about that, right? Like, probiotics that could be engineered to make something useful or perform some useful function. I thought, like, that was what jacked me up, you know? And, yeah. um, and so I initially was pitching some really interesting scientific ideas that were objectively terrible business ideas for this tech, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, the first time I pitched the product, um, uh, I was, or pitched, sorry, pitched the the company or the technology, the idea, it was before I'd ever even started Zebiotics. And I just was like really interested in this idea. And I, you know, I wasn't even thinking about being an entrepreneur. I just really like thinking about genetically engineered probiotics. And so I entered a pitch competition just for kicks. 
And um, I pitched uh, a probiotic that was genetically engineered to help your gut recover better after exposure to radiation. And like, <laughs> it's the most like- Sorry to laugh. Yes, no, I'm, I'm glad you did because it's like the most like esoteric and like yeah. not like, like talk about not getting anybody fired up about your idea. So I get up on a stage and I tell this whole story. About <laughs> it's you know, just for like dental, yeah. dental exams <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, it's just like eyes glossing over, like people like, you know, and then like on the last slide, I'm like, you know, trying to like, like there's so much more we can do with this tech. We can do any, any biological function on the planet. So it's not just, you know, it's not just uh, radiation. It's like, you know, we can do X and we can do Y and we can Z. And, and I said, I listed like 10 things. It's like, we can even cure a hangover. And, uh, and you know, everybody's just yeah, a person, every, person party. And it's like, yeah. yeah. You're like, stop sleeping. You're like, uh, and, uh, so the, the, um, uh, like meet and greet afterwards, which obviously did not win that pitch competition. Uh, it's literally <laughs> the only word of appreciation anybody heard about for me. They came up to me and they're like, Hey, tell that like hangover idea you had, you know? And, and uh, <laughs> you're like, and Jesus. I'm like, all right, that's all right. And so, you know, it was like that, but that was the first moment of part of market fit, was right? Was cool. the idea is it like, like, and we describe it now when we do, so we do all product ideation, you know, like, well, I think one of the one of the things that we have an advantage over many other companies is that like, we are a biotechnology company that invents new ingredients, which almost no company in the supplement space does, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also take those ingredients that we invent uh, and then we, and you know, we patent them and then we put them into products that we brand and we sell directly to users who benefit from that technology. You're not white labeling or anything right. like that. And right. so there are companies that buy uh, ingredients and then brand them and sell them to customers. Right. And then there are companies that invent ingredients and sell them to companies who, who brand them. And so we do the whole thing. The confession, and I might have a best breath probiotic product. So <laughs> just confession. I Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> genetically modified? Uh, honestly, I have no clue. <laughs> it, it, probably it's not. Probiotic, then no. It's probably white labeled from like a yeah. hundred different ones right. that sell the same product everywhere else. We're uh, <laughs> we're the world's first and sole only genetically engineered probiotics. Right. So. Um, yeah, so the, the fact that we kind of own that whole process is really important to us. And so the scientists who are building the products are like speaking to the end users about what they want. And so that started mm. sort of somewhat like by necessity when it was a company of one with me. Um, and so speaking to people and seeing like eyes will open up and be like, oh, tell me that, you know, and like getting that feedback, that positive feedback was like the first step in kind of getting that product market fit. I remember, uh, and then, so then, so then I picked sort of like like this product for, you know, the next day effects of drinking or whatever. And then uh, I remember I was pitching, uh, so before I did YC, I did, um, YC had, used to have a fellowship program, kind of get companies from zero to one. They only did like three yeah. batches of it. And so I did that actually before we did the core program just by myself. And I was standing on the first day, it was like a kickoff and I was standing in line with these guys and these two Irish guys in front of me and they tell me about their company. They're like, you know, it's about uh, HR onboarding or something like that. And, and, and then like, you know, what are you doing? And, and I'm like, giving them the whole science pitch like yeah you know so i take this probiotic and i, I make a constitutive and robust expression of this protein and like again eyes glazing over because i'm a scientist i'm pitching it like a scientist and then at the end i'm like you know and and so the first application of this is a probiotic that you know makes you feel better after drinking and they go fuck man i was like thank you so bad man i'm like another yeah so i think you know that was again like you know fuck fuck <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. So I realized product we, market fit. Right. We, exactly, we had to we had to get like <laughs> uh, it wasn't good enough to make a product that worked, right? We had to make a product that like and we had to explain it well. And so we spent a lot of time early on. That that was what kind of inspired the ten thousand samples before we launched and stuff. It was like a million conversations. Mm -hmm. We did an Indiegogo launch before a year before we launched a product just to test marketing mm -hmm. and messaging. Uh, learned a ton there. We launched 
with some good hypotheses, which we tested and some worked and some didn't. And then we sort of, and then like the, we're describing the whole kind of COVID insight and, and just kept refining it, kept changing it, kept like kind of like seeing what was sticking and what wasn't. And it was just super interesting. And product market fit happens, I think, when we really, when we recognized what people needed to hear to be willing to accept that our product was right. not the same snake oil as everything else, right? There's like this, there was a, there was so much- Huge skepticism. mental blocker. Right, exactly, yeah. Huge. So we had, you know, yeah. we learned that like, uh, an explainer video explaining like how the product works um, was like really important for people to hear that like the technology was different. This product was different. It wasn't the same as everything else. And then like an, an endorsement for somebody who that they trust who tried I, I, it. I might argue that's even the more powerful Definitely. indicator because by the time somebody lands on your website, they have been so thoroughly convinced by someone like me who's just like either giving it to them and making them try it. And we're saying like, you know, use code off alpha and right, right. right. Yeah. And it's just such a strong endorsement that that people overcome. I, I can't even tell you how many people would just go on the site and barely read the copy. Yeah. And just boom, straight to checkout because they're like, all right, if this thing can actually resolve those, uh, uh, you know, issues that I have the next day, it's worth everything to me. Totally. And I think that might be the real deeper. It uh, definitely is like, this is without a doubt, like incredibly necessary and for, and for, uh, you know, a good chunk of the population is sufficient, but like not, yeah. and like we, we know that there is like a like a good part of the population that needs to like they there's just so much skepticism. Oh, they need to have they have something to hold on to. It's like why is this going to work where where everything yeah. else doesn't? You know, and like there's just like we get like so many like trolls on like Facebook and stuff. They're like that will ever work, and they're like right. you know. So we have to like. So we you have can't to, like you can't sell it off the shelf because the right. on the shelf products are such dog shit. Like you need this long form that's kind of conversation. Exactly right. It's so like that's the next challenge for us, right? It's like how do we transition? Or, yeah, how do we transition yeah. to retail? So we're starting by you know what are contexts that you're going to be introduced to this product in where there's going to be credibility and storytelling, right? So we're starting with like you know places where like so not your corner liquor store, right? right. You know like personal it's like, trainers. Exactly. Like, mm. yeah. So gym supplement shops are one of the best um, places really? to sell. Right. Because exactly. The personal trainer says like, you know, they're chatting with their client and they're like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Like, oh, Taco Tuesday. Uh, you know, have some margaritas. But go get the biotics from like, well, you know, our supplement also shop. Also, the customer profile is not someone at a gas yes. station. It's someone who's waking up to, to go to the gym the next exactly. day or yes. yoga. So value problem or, is very clear. you know, Pilates classes. Totally. Places like that. Exactly. We see like gym supplement RJ, shops. I think, would be I mean, well. so You'll get once, once it's about... Oh, access and not awareness that's right. gonna work right but like right now it's like gym supplement shops we see like wellness and like spas and like ho high-end hotels like hmm. high-end bars we're working with some bartenders to make like craft cocktails that feature zbiotics as like the first drink and mm -hmm. stuff so there's a lot it, so wait zbiotics in the cocktail either that or like in a like non-alcoholic before you start something like okay, that so cool. yeah just we're, we're still playing around with Steve that. before you, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, like, the, you yeah. can put it in a cute little glass. <laughs> if you do put it in the alcohol, that wouldn't kill the bacteria. It'd probably be all right. Uh, it kind of depends um, in general, but like the bacteria are in the bottle, they're in a dormant state called an endospore. And so when they're in that state, they're super resilient. So they can pass your stomach acid unharmed um, and uh, you'll basically deal with like, you know, harsh environments of shipping and all that kind of stuff. But then once they get triggers to wake up, then they come out of that shell and then they, they could die in your stomach. So um, depending on what you mix it with, it may or may not have those triggers. So it's a few things I'm curious about with the business and where it's at as well. So you, um, you did Y Combinator, you raised a seed round. Yeah. You haven't raised since, have you? Or we've done a few, like, I guess you call them like bridges, uh -huh. you know, like, uh, debt or, debt or equity. Yeah. Um, 
Equity, uh, via six. Like the C okay. plus. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So we, did, we did a price seed round in, in, uh, like March 5th, like we closed like March 10th, 2020. Mm. Uh, yeah. Timing was amazing. Yeah. We got, we got real lucky there. So I mean, very grateful for that. Um, uh, especially cause we, you know, we lost our manufacturers. So we had like, we had to kind of like, yeah. you know, coast for a while until we were able to kind of pull that together. So we had a, a price seed round then. Um, and then, um, when we relaunched, or I don't know if you call it relaunch, but when we kind of we turned everything back on in, in April and May of 2021, you know, immediately started seeing traction. We went yeah. out and kind of, you know, basically- Grew the team as well. You yeah, grew the team. How many people are you guys at now? Right now we're at 22. Nice. Um, and so we, you know, we raised money to basically like, you know, feed the machine with marketing and stuff like that and really kind of continue to scale our growth. Uh, but did it quickly on safe. So we didn't want to do like a full round. We had milestones we wanted to hit. Mm -hmm. We hit our milestones that we wanted to hit. Um, terms of like you know run rate and stuff like that at the end of last year and that was when we were going to go out and raise a series a mm -hmm. and then the end of last year yeah, was just total market. dog shit for raising you yeah, know money especially yep. at a yeah. yeah exactly a a in particular you know there was all these seed yep. you know companies um that you know made this huge class mm -hmm. that then nobody wanted to kind of pick up for the a so, so we were good news for us you know we were doing well financially yeah. so we didn't need to kind of you know we didn't need the money. And so we were like, great, we'll just keep our head on and keep growing. Is that the plan? Or do you think you eventually still want to do? Yeah. I mean, a? I think we're, we're at a place right now where we've been approached a lot. I think, sure. um, and you know, we reached profitability uh, a few months ago. And oh, so, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, Congratulations. Oh, money leverage is getting bigger for like yeah. the first wow. time. Wow. Phenomenal. Yeah. Pretty, feels pretty good. I mean, I have quite a lot of money in the bank. And so uh, we're in a really good place right now. And so, you know, we, and we have had some, some investors approach us and I think there's, a lot we could do with like a series a sure. but it's not necessary and so we're sort of debating kind of different models there what why were you asking armand uh, you want in I'm yes we want yes in. yeah heck, yeah no no, we, no we, question no, we're, we're dead serious this is why we're here yeah, let me just yeah, yeah but, oh, <laughs> pull out a golf track just yeah. simple one pager on the show done no um it's a phenomenal thing that you've you've developed and it's like very clear, you know, I don't know where you, we were going to take this next, but you obviously have this vision for where the company is going to go beyond just yeah. this current area. Um, anything you can start to just totally. kind of like yeah. tell us about where that's going? Absolutely. Like, as I said earlier, I mean, I think that there's, I think this was well, sorry. And a lot of a question that people constantly yeah. ask you have to throw in is like the global thing. Like when will you be able to? Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. So, you know, I mean, as I said, as I said earlier, you know, the, the vision here is really like much, much bigger, right? Like, like genetically engineered. We when we launched in August of 2019, it was the world's first ever genetically engineered probiotic of any kind for any use case. Right? We were the first people to go to market with this, um, and so there's you know legitimate technology patented, a grant patents on the first product. Where you know the purpose of this first product was that it was a good proof of concept that get people excited about the future. Like I think. 20 or 30 years from now, it will seem insane that we didn't genetically engineer probiotics, right? Like, like right now, what probiotics are just like random bacteria that are like the leftovers of the food industry that we just give to people and say, like, hey, this is safe to eat. Maybe this will help you in some nebulous way. Um, and then we could take this bacteria that performs all these incredible functions and we can just say like, hey, do this one extra thing that we know is valuable. It's mm -hmm. like super straightforward, super obvious and definitely um, going to be the norm. Um, so hmm. our vision is building that category, right, of genetically engineered probiotics that do amazing, unique things that, like, with our first product, 6,000 years of human history couldn't solve it. And then, like, right. but with biotechnology, we can make this real. And so every product we want to build 
is all about kind of like the idea that you walk into that grocery store and there's a section of genetic engineered probiotics that people are excited about because they work, they have like clear benefits, like, you know, uh, they're, they're just way more valuable and way more effective. So I think like, that's what we're trying to build. And so the first product has this very nice visceral readout of efficacy. People understand the problem. It was a great place to start. Obviously it's, you know, an unsolved problem and something that I think is like exciting. It's an emotional like, reaction. And totally. It's very well, that and, and the feedback loop is quick. Yes. Right. Like yeah. I drink, I use, I use it. I drink feedback, like within, you know, a few days of getting the package. Exactly. I'm that, that your virality loop is so much shorter. People totally. talk about virality coefficient a lot. But like you could also talk about the viral cycle time, like yours is relatively pretty quick on this on this product, right? Yeah, right, exactly. And, and that that was the goal, right? Was the idea like convince everybody that the technology is legit, right? And and obviously the market in and of itself is super exciting because it's this huge unaddressed market because there's just nothing out there that works. And so um, so we were excited about that. But I think that I was most excited because it was like it was step one. And so we're building genetically engineered probiotics to do all sorts of things. So like we never started the company just to kind of like help you with the next day effects of drinking. That just happened to be how we got started. Your yeah. beaches. It's yeah. like yeah. You're, you've built a technology that you could apply horizontally to right. all these different verticals. It's exactly. generalized technology. Totally. You probably have to tweak it 10%. Yeah. But then you like go and you double your TAM but by right. doing so. I, I still need to like understand this a little bit. Like, can you, I'm sure you have a whole backload of right. ideas and without giving any secrets, yeah. can you just give me examples? Like, is it, is it sleep? Is it longevity yeah, yeah, yeah. focus? Like, can you just yeah. paint a broad picture of what are the realms of like totally. what I can optimize in my body? Totally. And to your point, exactly. The, the first thing I did before I even built our first product was built the platform, the genetic platform. So that like basically nothing in biology is truly plug and play, but like to make it as plug and play as possible, like you have this section of the genome where if I put something in there, the bacteria will perform that function really reliably in your gut. And so that was the first mm -hmm. challenge. And that was drawing on my expertise in sort of bacterial genetic regulation from my mm -hmm. PhD and stuff. And then now we put in there is much more entrepreneur product development kind of stuff, right? And so, mm -hmm. so right, you know, our first product breaks down acid aldehyde. It helps you feel better the day after drinking. Uh, second product, which we're launching in the summer, uh, this coming summer, summer of 2024, is totally unrelated. Um, it, it, uh, it's still a genetically engineered probiotic, but now it sort of helps with, uh, it's focused on sort of like gut health and the microbiome, totally different product. And to your point, uh, you know, about like TAM, right? Like the idea that, we're targeting a whole, like the goal is that each product expands the addressable market, like the mm -hmm. number of people who are interested. But because we worked really hard with this first product to say like this product is for healthy, responsible people who invest in their health and their well-being, we also believe that each product will increase the LTV of every customer, right? Oh, like for sure it will. You love our first 100%. product. You've used that like, you know, the, like these, these events and occasions. Now we have the second product, which is good for gut health. And so like you should, you know, and people will be really excited about that. And so then, you know, we're looking at products exactly related to sleep. I think that like sleep in particular is one where it's a massively misunderstood category, right? Like mm -hmm. everybody's trying to give you like better quality sleep, more sleep, help you fall asleep faster. And those things are super important. But like, I think the Z-Balance way of thinking is like, what happens when it's inevitable that you can't, right? Like same thing with like, with drinking alcohol, right? Like the idea like, yeah, it would be great if everybody just decided to like rule out alcohol as a thing, right? But like, we use that as like a normal part of our social adult interactions. And so like z is there to be like, okay, if it's, if you're making responsible choices about this, like it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? And so right. I think the same thing is true with sleep, right? Like there are times when good sleep is just not feasible. Like you're traveling, you've got like a project you're working on late, like you're having trouble falling asleep because you're anxious or whatever. Like, Would this be more sleep onset or more like- So it'd be more like when you get bad sleep, how do you feel better the next uh, day, uh, like, right. you know? Like 
I guess sort of like okay, sleep, so hang, not, like I'm going to be like yeah. up all night because I'm working. <laughs> right, type exactly. Or like, you know, hey, I'm oh, take my I'm money, sir. <laughs> Literally, please. I'm flying to my, you know, I'm flying to you know Japan, and so like I'd be like, oh. to be off for weeks or if you days. You me up with a jet lag one, yeah. so man. The idea there, or like you know, the idea around like you know, there there are so many things like that, right? Like Got like it. these food, like foods that we eat that we really like that maybe don't make us feel great. Like even if they're right. not like actually, I can't eat anything with milk or cheese yeah. or anything. Right, right, done for. Yeah, right. But, so, he, but he does do it. He does do it anyway, right? Like, so, <laughs> and like, so, you know, so, so helping us deal with like, you know, different foods, like, and then there's stuff that like the unavoidable stuff, right? Like, like, so like, like toxins in the air and our water, right? That like, we just breathe and drink every day because we have to, right? And like, there are, there are byproducts there or there are things like microplastics, all kinds of stuff, right? That like, we know aren't good for us that like are essentially unavoidable, right? And then like, you know, like heavy metals in fish, like all kinds of stuff like this that we can build that basically like, if you are a person who's like willing to invest in your health and is aware of the fact that like no life it's there's not enough time in the day to live a perfect day right like every like you know you have to like you have to you know go out on that like uh you know sales dinner or whatever you have to like you know work a little later than you would normally and like but you still want to spend time with your kids like there are so many parts of your day that aren't perfect um that are just part of like being a human in like 2023 and there are so many products we can build. Can I ask you something? Cause you, you brought yeah. up uh, that you're focused on sort of the microbiome and like the gut health, right? right. So <clears throat> a couple of years ago, uh, a friend of mine who's like interested in holistic health, he, he told me about this and he's like, yeah, you gotta eat some fermented foods. So you put me on like, like yogurt, kefir, kimchi, whatever. Now I'm like making my own uh, sauerkraut and kimchi at home. And I still don't even know whether this is fact or fiction. Like, yeah. I don't even know what the hell it, it yeah. is, but I just know it to be sort <laughs> right. of like, quote unquote, healthy and good for me. Like you talked uh, at length about why, you know, like how, how like the reactions happening with alcohol, like what, what's going on with like probiotics broadly? Yeah. So I'll say first that like, my, my, just before I start this is that like, if you are taking something like, you know, for your gut, um, and it, you like it and it makes you feel better and like continue to do that, right? Like that's fine. Um, that's a benefit in its own right. Like just having some sort of positive control over your life and your gut is, is a good thing. That being said, like, so you have probiotics, which are live bacteria that you can eat uh, and uh, supposedly could potentially have some sort of benefit on the microbiome, right? Then you have prebiotics, which are basically the food that feeds the bacteria in your gut. And then there's something probably even the least well-known is is postbiotics mm -hmm. and postbiotics are basically like the outputs of bacteria and, and microbes generally that live in your gut. And so like these like molecules or chemicals, like byproducts of like their kind of metabolism in your gut. And so, um, it with, with a, so first thing I'll say here is that like of the three probiotics is the least likely to be beneficial. I think that the, the hypothesis are the least the biggest market. I know. Uh, and so it was because it's the simplest to understand, okay. but it's the one that makes the least sense for so the consumer you, or the simplest to understand for the, for the, for the consumer. Okay. Right. So like, uh, you know, so basically like, you know, everybody learned like, you know, uh, about 10, 20 years ago that like we have a microbiome, right. I mean, obviously like scientists knew that they existed, but like, you know, this became a thing in the market, like yeah. 20 years. And it's like, oh, there's bacteria in my gut. So here, here's more good bacteria that will help you. That's exactly what my question was. They're like, yeah. you need a biodiversity in there. I'm like, exactly. why? Like, what does, so, what does that do? The more bio, so biodiversity is super important, right? So like the more different kinds of bacteria you have in your gut. So basically eat, so you have about as many bacterial cells as you have human cells in your body. Um, but the difference is that like 
which yeah in its own right is pretty exciting right but uh, or, or amazing right that we're basically like a walking like pond like an ecosystem <laughs> like more than we are just human uh but like all of our cells have the same genes like the same like twenty thousand genes or so right every all these different bacterial cells have different genes right so and each gene encodes a biological function that requires that helps you live right and so your cells do a lot of things to help you live but then bacteria are doing hundred or a thousand fold more biological functions than you are in your body and so the more diverse different kinds of bacteria you have, the more diversity of biological functions you have in your, in your gut, which is like a good thing to have. You think you're like sort of like stacking up abilities, right? Like, so if you only have one bacteria in there, you can only do like one set of functions. So the more different kinds of bacteria means like the better you can like extract nutrients from your food, the better you can educate your immune system, like the better you can, the smarter you are. Like there's a lot of things that we know, like direct interactions between bacteria and our bodies. And so having a diverse microbiome is really important. And everybody's microbiome is different, right? There's an infinite number of different kinds of microbial communities that every, in your microbiome today is totally different than it will be six months from now. Um, and so, uh, the idea that like this bacteria that's a leftover of the milk industry could uniformly universally help everybody have a healthier microbiome in some way is crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so the analogy that I use there is like the life of the party, right? Like if picture in your head, the a person who is the life of the party at like walks in is the life of the party at like a frat party right in college like that imagine that person yeah. now imagine that person walk into like a hipster party in new york in an apartment <laughs> that guy is not gonna crush it at all that party, right? <laughs> That's so, right. even if that probiotic is like really good in one so person's green. gut yeah. right like uh then you move into another person's gut it may be a disaster right like like there's a whole delicate interaction and network of uh of bacteria that are interacting with each other and like, you know, one bacteria is eating one thing and producing some byproduct that another bacteria eats, right? And like, so there's this whole interconnected network. And then you like jam in 10 billion like right. CFUs yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of lactobacillus. The like, more billions, the better. Right. Yeah, right, exactly. More and more, more that like somehow that's gonna <laughs> uniformly help everybody, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Is every lactobacillus like unique? Cause like lactobacillus seems like the most common one. Well, so lactobacillus is the most common probiotic in the market because it's a leftover of the dairy industry. It's the easiest to, it's it's basically like we're monetizing a byproduct of that industry. It's like, it has nothing to do with human health and everything to do with like logistics. And so from, as a microbiologist, I can tell you that like the, the hypothesis around why a probiotic would be beneficial is the weakest hypothesis. Not to say that there isn't any value to that or that people can't get benefit from it. It's just that it'd be highly variable and it would be very inconsistent, right? So, um, so then you have prebiotics, which just are, are food that feed bacteria and not you, it's fiber. And so that is a much stronger hypothesis. Like, you know, we know that regardless of your microbiome, like if you eat a diversity of fibers, you need to feed a diversity of microbes and that's gonna be better. So mm. that is a good hypothesis. And postbiotics is, and so I'm building your short kimchi question, right? Is that like, basically like that's things produced by bacteria. And so if you take a food like cabbage um, and you ferment it in a sauerkraut or kimchi, right? You're basically putting bacteria on that and they're breaking down the fibers in that plant. And then they're producing byproducts, which are mm. postbiotics. And so if you eat a fermented food, you're getting in large part probiotics and postbiotics. And so some of those postbiotics have been shown to be beneficial. And so again, this is the kind of thing where it depends on the person, depends on what you need, right? But like Eating a prebiotic is probably the strongest hypothesis. And then, you know, uh, postbiotic, depending on what the postbiotic is, could be beneficial. Um, and so when you're eating fermented foods, if they make you feel better, then maybe there is postbiotics in there that are beneficial to you. And if you're not really noticing any difference uh, and it's a big effort for you, then maybe you don't have to kind of like, you know, feel guilty because you're not using them or whatever. Right. 
Could, um, can we go back to the applications that you were talking about? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You talked about so many possibilities. Sorry, you, you give me an opportunity to talk about the microphone. No, no, no. I love it. I'm going to go nuts. No, no, no. And there's a lot of listeners here yeah. for that. So, like, you, yeah. you made them very happy. Yeah. But going back to the applications, like, there, there's a lot to go through. And, and to create your first one was a lot of effort. Yeah. You know, manufacturing, everything you had to set up. Right. It, it, in my world, I like to um, split test and dry test. So, before I kind of decide to invest, you know, millions of dollars into a product development I'd like to see like well is this one going to work or not so do you do you guys uh, think about that at all like okay there's all these variations or are you are you relying on your gut as a ceo yeah to choose the right next application or is there any kind of i don't know thought process to like well how do we test this out to yeah. see if like market this, validation yeah, I'm sure yeah. you market do. validation totally yeah i mean like look it would be a waste of our uniqueness to to go with our gut right like yeah you know i think that um the opportunity that we are we are both inventing new ingredients and we are selling it to the end user, it would be squandering the direct relationship we have with the end user if we didn't talk to them about it. So our ideation process, the analogy I use there is like crossing the street, right? Like look left, look right, look left, or wait, which way do you look first? Left, uh, right, left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you look left, right, left, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, so you look left, you look to the customer first, then you look to the science and you look back to the customer. And you know we do that several times through. So, so we'll first like, Go out, and so we just had an ideation retreat um, uh, with you know. So first and foremost, we're it's cross departmental, right? So we have our scientists and engineers in the room. We have our marketing. We have product. Uh, we're all there together, and we're sort of like ideating on like you know what are some problems we think are important. We look, you know, we do market analysis, things like that, um, and then you know we come up with like a kind of list of problems that maybe we could solve, and then we go talk to customers and say like, you know, what are these are exciting to you, and then you know we wait for the eye pop moment, and we're like, okay, like that one seems interesting, and then we take that and we go back. You know, when the scientists who have spoken to the customer and understand what they need um, start to be like, okay, how do we solve this problem? And then they come up with like some biology, like, you know, here's a biological process, like, like I did with the first part of like, okay, what's going on when you drink? You know, it's like, okay, there's a lot of things going on. Like what, what part could I handle as acetaldehyde? And like, what effect would that have? Mm. And then, so, okay, I think here are the effects. So then we go back to the customer and say like, hey, if a product, we built a product that did this specifically, right? So it didn't make you, didn't help with the quality of your sleep, right? It didn't, it wasn't a gal gel free carb, right? right? made you feel better and it dealt with the kind of these things, would that be exciting? And the answer is yes. And people are still excited. It's like, okay, let's build that. And then we build it. And the good news is that like investing in the, so while it was a huge lift for the first product, now we have a beaten path, right? Like we had to blaze the trail at the beginning, but now it's there. And so we have a manufacturing partner. We have a regulatory like path to market. We understand all the things we need to do. The actual R&D to build the strain on the platform I already built is only takes about like three months, six months. Wow. For us to build something that works and so so we can go and invest the time to build a product then we can actually see how functional it is how it works and then we go back to the customer and say like hey this is what we have this is we know how it works so like we did this with lactose as an example uh, we built a product that could break down lactose for people who were lactose intolerant and we saw that after we built it um it could break down maybe like two to three grams of lactose and a glass of milk has like 10 grams so we're like Ooh. is that interesting yeah. do people want something that can help like because not everybody is like totally lactose intolerant like it's a spectrum know, yeah yeah exactly yeah. so people have different thresholds and 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 so it is a non-total solution or for people who have like mild lactose intolerance is this valuable and so we went and talked to customers and and found out that like no it wasn't that basically people with like mild lactose intolerance kind of just manage their diet they don't really worry about it they're willing to get a little farty like, i want to eat yeah. a whole cheese pizza like yeah not, not yeah not yeah. one little bite and, and you know so we just didn't we didn't see we didn't see that pull and so we have the product in our freezer you know uh if ever we decide to launch it in the future but like it just wasn't the same kind of pull and so we moved on and so and 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 uh you know because 
the R&D on the product is a lot faster and easier than the once we go whole hog into the commercialization, right? Like the branding and the manufacturing. That's pretty impressive considering you just said that everyone is unique. Everyone's microbiome is unique. Yeah. And, and not only is it unique now, but in six months. So you're able to create a product that like has efficacy, even though you're working in right. very diverse environments for that, each person. That was the insight that, that I had when we started the company was that like, Everybody who was focusing, who's focusing on the microbiome was like trying to approach that complexity and like trying to like layer in on that. And so what we did was we, we, we step around that, right? We say like, look, your microbiome is your microbiome. We're not even gonna mess with that. We picked a bacteria that doesn't, doesn't join the microbiome. It passes right through. And we just overlay a single extra function on whatever else is happening. So it's totally agnostic to the complexity of the microbiome. And like, that's how we approached this in a way that gives way more consistency than, than sort of trying to like manipulate what's already happening in the gut. Hmm. So uh, I had this employee, he's insanely productive. Is like, it you? He, no, he's not, he's not, <laughs> trust me, trust me. He's, he's way, way better than I am at, at his job. He's incre incredibly productive, but uh, he's got IBS. So he's like, I don't know, in the bathroom like six or seven times a day. And I'm like, dude, seriously, like you gotta, you gotta address this. I, I feel bad for you, but like you're also, Paying, I'm paying you for like, you know, a full-time job and I feel like you're, you're mailing it in. Is that a potential application or? It can be. I mean, so we have to be, you know, I, I, so after I did my PhD, I was, I went and started, I worked at a contract research organization designing clinical trials for drug companies. So like hmm. it, you know, that's what you do, right? Out of academia. The idea is like you either work in academia and you yeah. discover things or you go build drugs for drug companies, right? Yeah. Like that's, you know, whatever. And so, um, and so I was really interested in learning how like drugs get to market. Like that was originally what I was thinking of. Um, and one of the things I learned was that like, it's not a very friendly industry to inventors, right? Like, like you invent something, your goal is to scrape together enough data that like the Pfizer's and the AstraZeneca's of the world will acquire that from you. And then you walk away with your paycheck hmm. and That's they decide what they're going to do with it. They, maybe they'll commercialize it. Maybe they won't, maybe they'll, you know, whatever. And so keep it in the freezer. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Forever. And like, and that's, and if you're comfortable and there's a lot of people who are totally comfortable with that and they, they want it, their goal is just kind of feed into the top of the funnel. But like, I really wanted to get that product into people's hands. And so like the only two ways to do that are build my own drug company or to make products for healthy people. Um, and so we were able to go to market. We, the reason we were able to be the first ones to market is because we made products that weren't drugs, right? We made products for cons for healthy consumers. Um, and so IBS is a good example of something where like, that's, you know, a disease that mm. is, I that think- would be a drug. Yeah, so it yeah. would be a drug. And I think that would be, I, I think it's a problem we can absolutely solve. Um, I don't think that like, that's like Z-Biotics is like kind of like core bread and butter. Totally, okay. Yeah. Can we talk about a uh, little marketing a little bit? Because uh, I'm, I'm more yeah. curious about the marketing. So, totally. you know, we, we've noticed as we have to read an ad script, you know, once every yeah. episode, we, right. there are certain words we can't say. Right. And so it's it's kind of tough for you to imagine, like, you, you can't use the word hangover. You right. can't say, like, you know, have less headaches and left, less anxiety. Exactly. So can you kind of describe your marketing function? Is it is it paid ads? Is it, you know, referring friends and, yeah. and has this challenge of not being able to, to kind of like acutely describe what you're actually solving for people right. in any of your marketing at all? I mean, honestly, you get, I, I think that a few things here. First and foremost, we learned that um, people, like we, we learned what sold well, right? Like, and, and that was and that by far still our greatest growth channel is organic word of mouth. 
right? Like um, still, with still. The, like, outside of paid ads. Yes. Wow. So I mean, uh, it's you know, it's the plurality. Like the like a third of our customers come from organic. Whoa, that's great. Uh, even today, I and mean, like to your point, I mean, it's like, there's a there's a virality to it, right? Like, and you're you not talking about your referrals. You're talking about just. I'm talking about organic right? like not even purely referral, like direct yeah. traffic to Zbiotics. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, and you know, and then we do post purchase surveys, right? Yeah. Like say, like, like how you hear about us? It's like a friend, and like, yeah. and, and we hear the story over and over again, right? Like somebody's like. They try the product, they're skeptical, they love the product, they tell everybody every time they go out and they bring them out and they give them out to people. And so that is by far the most effective way. And the reason that works is that like, basically every single person when they hear about our product, the first thing they do is roll their eyes. And so like, if then somebody's like, wait, 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 and they tell you like this, trust me, I I was skeptical too, the product really works for me uh, and you should try it. And like, um, then that does like more work than anything else, right? And so basically learning that and, and then, a lot of people say that like having a little bit of an explanation of like why and how the product is different is valuable and sort of like getting that skeptic with them. So basically like understanding a little bit of the science and then having like an authentic endorsement, like kind of the two key things. And so all of our marketing is around kind of recreating that in any way we can. Mm-hmm. So we're getting rid of mouth is great. Then we have a referral program and we have an affiliate program and those perform really, really well and they're very scalable. Um, but then, you know, we do like podcast advertising because like there's the opportunity to give a little bit of storytelling an authentic endorsement so you know we make sure uh, you know you guys probably experience this right like you know give you samples make sure you try the product make sure you like the product and then like the more authentic the endorsement the better we've had multiple podcasts yeah somewhere. that's why that's why i think it we, works we so well it, for we actually hit you guys up yeah we yeah because we were using we, it we were like yeah. hey like this would be a perfect fit <laughs> we have that we've we had even on sponsors until we found zebiotics like we, yeah. So we opened up the whole sponsorship. Yeah. yeah. That's a bit, uh, we, we've had that happen more than once. Like, and, and like some of our bigger podcasts that I perform really well, like they've literally like either reached out to us or when we talk to them and try the product, they've gotten so excited about it that like we have two of our podcasters have then participated in like fundraising rounds, like mm-hmm. afterwards, mm-hmm. like, cause they like, like the product so much. That we so you're it. saying there's a chance. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm not letting that go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's been, it, you know, it's that getting that authentic endorsement from a podcast is great. And then, you know, influencers are something we're starting to work with a little bit more to kind of figure out the same thing. Like the problem is with influencers, it's yeah. so hard to get authenticity. They're shillers. Totally. Right. Yeah. So finding where we can, where you can find, influencers who have like an honest um, they relationship the, with they have the community you want as well. Right, exactly. That's really important. And that they have an honest relationship with that community. I think that was one of the things that was interesting as well. Podcast was a really interesting thing was that like, we have like one podcast that was about like, you know, whatever, like, um, you know, fitness and it would do amazing. And they're like, okay, great. Fitness is like the, the area. And then we'd have, we'd take 10 other podcasts that have like similar metrics and stuff. And they were in the fitness and like, eight of them wouldn't work. And be like, wow, what is up with that? You know, and it's a, it was like so hard to pick the winners. And then we started to realize it was less, it was, the topic was somewhat important, but it was like much more important what kind of relationship the hosts have with their audience. Yeah. Um, and, and like that, like that was really, really interesting. And so that's been kind of the, it, A lot of people thing. like to pump big numbers, but they don't right. have a real- That's fascinating. Engagement Cause like, we, we feel like we have a close relationship with our listeners. Cause like we're in a little online community together. We talk, you know, every other day, every totally. day with each other they're in our chat while we're live streaming, like yeah. they're participating in, in the podcast itself. So that's, that's pretty fascinating, but you have this amazing luxury. Like most companies don't have this luxury, like that you have this virality coefficient, you have this growth engine that is your, your product. And a lot of companies have to rely on paid ads yeah. in order to continue right. to grow. So I'm curious on the paid ad side, this is where a lot of my, my expertise is and like my experience. And I'm just curious, is it, is it profitable to acquire? acquire, you know, do paid user acquisition. Like oftentimes a lot of customers will, 
or companies will go in the negative yeah, on the right. first yeah. quarter. And then they, they're like, okay, we'll make it up on the back end. Subscriptions, yeah, email, right. we'll SMS them, like we'll yeah. do whatever we can to make it up in the back. Can you just give us a peek? Like, wh what is it like for, for you guys? Is it, is it, can you pour more gasoline on the fire? Yeah. Or is it, is it tough? Like you have to look at the you know, the, the lifetime value of the customer and what I mean, be profitable. We, I mean, definitely the lifetime value, our, our net LTV to CAC is like, is really good. Okay, uh, so that's, like, that's the metric. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, mean, like, I was going to ask you that specifically, but yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, once no. you told us about the other products coming, I was estimating my LTV in my head. I was like, this yeah. is going to be like a yeah. six-figure LTV. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like second products is a daily product. And like, you know, it's going to be like we're, it, you know, everything is about, I, I think, creating real value for customers. And so that results in really nice LTVs. And then also like, you know, like if you're to factor in the referral rates as well, right. it becomes like extremely possible. But yeah, I mean, we have been very cognizant, especially because like this company has been around since 2016. So we've been through some years of planning and some years of drought um, in terms of like investment and kind of like, you know, so we've always built the company with the mindset that we want to be able to stand on our own two feet no matter what, rather than like, like get a bunch of money in, like run towards the cliff and hope that like the BCs catch you before you hit the edge, you know? And like, that. yeah, I mean, there's been some <laughs> really, really great brands with great products that died because that was their mentality. Tons of direct to consumer companies are exactly. failing right now. Bankrupt. Totally. Yeah. And, and they, they aren't even bad companies. They're like good companies with good products, but like just the mentality was that like there would always be money there. And so we didn't ever want to run into that. Like this idea was too precious to me and like my co-founder to like risk that. So mm. we've always been very judicious and so at the cost of like the rate of growth right like so our growth rate is great but it is not like um you know it's not we go into some investor meetings right and they're like you know are you growing like 80 percent month over month and we're like no because that's yeah. fucking ridiculous no you know? when we have cash flow positive we're profitable yeah. yeah exactly yeah it's you're profitable you know growing like 11 or 12 percent month over month i mean it's a good solid growth rate like it's amazing it, you know but like it's we do that we do that incrementally and make sure that what we're doing is is sustainable so we we have like pretty hard limits on our cac and you know we basically we're willing to go over that on experimental new channels but we are you know we're not going to pay two dollars to get a dollar on facebook like no way it's just crazy but like you know two x row asks you'll be like hey send it send it all day exactly. right yeah. yes absolutely yeah. and that's you know that's and our pro as is like you know 2.2 .2 or something so like, that's yeah. that's phenomenal yeah that's great. And then you've, you've kind of like shied away from this allure of like, what is our enterprise value or evaluation? Because you could have gotten some of these right. rusty rounds just to like pump the valuation. And I, but you know. honestly, I see that as just painting us into a corner. It seems like a short-sided yeah. strategy, right? Like I have friends with companies where they did that and now they're having to take massive down rounds, lay off tons of people. And the liquidation totally. prep is just sitting over them as totally. they work every hour of every yeah. day working so hard. Totally. It's been insane to see kind of like, like this like, this massive inflation. Probably a lot of uh, your friends from your class, from your cohort, right? That is, yeah, and I mean, had to go know, through a similar journey. Some pretty amazing companies. Again, right. they're, they're running great companies. It's just like, you know, we play the conservative game and right now that's working out for us. So, you know, I, you know, different times it'll be different. Personally, you, you know, this conversation has been like a dance between the science yeah. and, you know, the business. How do you manage that? You're clearly like insanely passionate as a scientist, and then now you're playing CEO. Yeah, and that that I imagine is challenging. And it sounded like you have a team, also, you know, science team and R and D and all of that. So, how much are you able to drive on that side, and how much do you prefer to be on that side versus like moving more into the business? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like I think that um, I had to recognize that that 
as much as like it's my comfort zone being in the science that like that isn't what the company needs right like then um we have talented scientists who can do that and like i need to be more focused on how we like we had the vision to launch a genetically engineered probiotics company when no other company wanted to do that and uh, we were willing to build that and we were build, willing to build it in the consumer space and the idea was that like if we build products people want and we say that we're proudly gmo and we say that the reason the product works is because it's genetically engineered people will want that product and that uh, and nobody believed me that that was did you have a lot of doubters would you say that oh yeah more doubters or more supporters in the early days? In the early days, people, the only reason why I got anybody to invest was because I, because we were going to, you know, fix the next day effects of thinking. Like, yeah. and people were like, I had investors literally begging me to say, to take the GMO thing off of our, no way. Like begging me, like send me Did, emails. And I just, you know, I'm what's like, what's that non GMO icon? It's like a little butterfly. The butterfly. Yes. So my, when I started the company, <laughs> I would just walk to the grocery store, my blood would just boil. Like, you know, these like the non GMO water and stuff, you know, like not, yeah, <laughs> water. Yeah, not GMO, like wheat flour. There is no genetically engineered wheat on, like it doesn't exist. The marketer like, me's like, nice job. Yeah. But like also, like, fuck off. No, I should be to flip a table. Like, I literally, like, I used to do this. This is like one of the stupid things I used to do. Like, right. Cause, you know, I could go in there and I could, like, you know, Yellow people tell blue in the face on Facebook and make no impact, right? I used to literally, like, I would genuinely do this. I would go, I would, like, take pictures of, like, the label and, like, the you know, contact me phone number. And I would, like, call these these <laughs> companies or email them and say, like, why do you see non-GMO when there is no GMO? Oh, you're that guy. All right, yeah. cool. Exactly. Which is, like, totally inefficient. But it was, like, honestly, if I, and I knew that. But it was more cathartic. It was, like, frustrating. But, like, if I wanted to have a real impact on that conversation, do it. the goal was... Like let's build products that people want, right? Like the YC, like make something somebody want, make make something people want, um, and like, and and connect the fact that the technology was creating that benefit, right? Like that was like was really important. And so like recognizing that, like, and I and I had a strong belief that like everybody was afraid for no reason. There was a huge opportunity here, right? There's this pluralistic ignorance. Like everybody right. believes that everybody else. Like one of the most common things I heard in early days on the phone when I call up customers would be like. Like, what do you think about GMOs? And like, they'd be like, well, I don't really care, but I think other people do. So you probably shouldn't talk so about where, it. So like, where did the vitriol come from? Was that from Monsanto and the the Roundup Ready? Is yeah, that exactly where it came from? Basically that like, yeah, the, essentially applications of the technology got conflated with the technology itself, right? Like, right. like technology is just, like genetic engineering is just a technology and it can make products that are good or bad. Like and splitting the, the atom. Right. right. I mean, like it's, it's really good or really like, bad. I mean, like, yeah, the one else I use for that is that like, I mean, it's like you, like, there's a hot debate in this country around gun control. Like right? some people like guns, some people don't, right? And like if you don't like guns, you're probably not anti-metallurgy. Like like the the, the technology used to make the gun, because you recognize that metallurgy can also make a spoon, which is a totally safe and innocuous uh, product of of that technology, right? The combustion wow. engine is an incredibly dangerous technology that we accept in our lives because we recognize that that can be used like in ways that are super useful. And we, you know, and and people are able to make that cost benefit analysis, right? They get in a car and they say like, I can get to this place, you know, a hundred x faster than without a combustion engine. And so I recognize that th there is some risk to this, but but the reward is far worth it. And that's literally how we think about every single bit of technology, no matter how small or big it is in our lives. We, we make that analysis. And when you walk into a grocery store and you have non-GMO corn and GMO corn, there's no benefit to you to take the GMO corn, right? Like that benefit was right. for the farmer. And so if we're in, and so therefore, why would I not be non-GMO? Like I've heard so many things about how it's dangerous and like, yeah, and then there's like, you know, and, and, and all the issues were very reasonable in the sense that like, Right, you say Roundup Ready corn, right? Like we're dumping a lot of pesticides on the uh, on the ground, and that's being washed into, into water streams, and all these things, causing all these problems, and right. And so people are like, "Wow, that's really bad." And you can debate whether or not that's bad or good, but the point is that like 
the problem is not genetic engineering. The problem is the application of the genetic engineering. And then somehow people decided that the fact that the, the sequence of DNA in that corn changed made it bad. And it was like, yeah. no, what made it bad was or potentially bad was the, was the pesticides. Right? Like mm -hmm. the, the genetic engineering isn't what it just enabled a business. Practice. What about the what about the corn itself? Right, like you, you're talking about you know practices that might be right. viewed as bad. But what about the corn itself? One GMO, one's not. Are they both equally uh, healthy? Yeah. One one just has maybe more pesticides on its surface. Right. Well, that's exactly it. Right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Is that like the genetic engineering just altered one of the proteins so that it was no longer susceptible to glyphosate. Right, like it had no other effect on it whatsoever, and so the it, the sequence of DNA and that change in that protein has no effect on like human health or anything. Right, it was just then people dumped glyphosate on that corn, and then people were upset about like is that glyphosate like staying on the surface of the corn, and then am I eating that? Is that bad for me? And then that... they miscorrelated these right, two things. and so the idea that like the act of genetic engineering made it somehow unsafe, and that like the DNA would like get into our cells or something and like right. all this sort of the science fiction that kind of spins out of it. And so there's this like massive anti-GMO movement that happened because of like, which started with like pretty like um, reasonable concerns about business practices that mm -hmm. were like through. And then, and then the problem was that all the marketers started like piling on the bandwagon and throwing this technology under the bus. Like, Oh, you mean I can sell my soy yeah, milk? Spotted an opportunity. I, you know, or like, and like soy milk actually, you know, that makes sense. There is GMO soy. Right. But then like, Oh, I can sell my wheat flour for more. If I say it's not GMO, even though like all wheat flour is not GMO right. and like, you know, all this stuff. Right. So, um, so the problem with that is that like, they're basically, it's very short-sighted. They're like, Genetic engineering is a tool that humanity needs. It's one of our most important things that we can use to combat climate change, emerging infectious diseases, feeding a growing population of humanity. Like existential crises that face us are like genetic engineering is essential. It's a, is another tool in our tool belt to deal with these problems, right? And if we're gonna say we're not gonna use it, we're fighting with one arm tied behind our back as humanity grows. Like going back to organic farming is like going back to 17th century agrarian technology, right? To yeah. fight 21st century problems. So, um, you know, I really felt like we needed to stand up when nobody else would and say like, hey, like genetic engineering can be used to make products that you actually like. Mm -hmm. And like that makes progress on people's uh, you know, perceptions around the technology in, in one little small way. And like, I think that's really, really important. And it's like, that's part of why wow. I started this. And so to your question, like, do I sit there and, you know, wish I was at the bench, you know, like, yes, but if I did, then we wouldn't be able to kind of like, yeah. you know, stay on course for like the, these types of like mission oriented kind of like uh, purposes. I think you'll have cycles, you know, as well, yeah. where you might have to go back to the lab at times in the future of the company or in your own life where you'll, you'll come yeah. back with something different right. that makes a different kind of impacts. But right now you have enough ahead of you that it sounds like you need to do with what you've got. I love the way that you want to make an impact is by actually doing it with the product and like you could go and you could fight the fight and try to educate them. Yeah, yeah. The best way to educate them is yeah. to counter what they've done. Totally. And, and fix the narrative. Exactly. Space. And I think that like, that's what's exciting. That's what's exciting about the company. Um, yeah. It's like the fact that we can use this technology, not just to create products that help people live better, healthier, fuller lives, but then we can also like advocate for a technology that's really important for our future. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that all GMOs are good, right? Like the point is that we need to be more rational about how we think about this technology, right? Like it has, it's not good or bad, or is it or isn't it? It's like, how is this being used? Do I, do I think that's appropriate and, and or not, right? And I think that's how we need to be. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk a lot about this podcast of how the extremes are the most loud, you right. know, in, totally. in anything, whether it's political or, or exactly. it could be diet or what was science especially. And those are the ones that like take up the, the oxygen in the room. 
But we, we also talk a lot about investing. And like one thing we, we don't like is asymmetric risk, where, where I get a little benefit, but I can lose everything. Right. So what you're telling me is that there are GMO products where you get the benefit, but there's not this asymmetric risk right. where like, I don't know, like, I guess maybe it's the fear of unknown that people have with GMOs that like, right. I don't know, you're going to adapt something about this DNA that sounds like it's you're playing scary. God almost yeah. like. So can you just educate us a little? Like what what is the worst possible thing that could happen? And when we're talking about these benevolent yeah. you know, things, like are, are we at risk for anything? Totally. I mean, I think that it's all about application, right? Like the act of the genetic engineering is not what creates the risk. It's 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 what you what you engineer it to do. So like with our first product as an example, like we basically take a probiotic bacteria, a bacteria you eat every day already. And then we programmed it so that it expresses one extra enzyme. This enzyme is expressed by 70% of all life on the planet, including many of the bacteria that are already in your gut. Your liver already makes this enzyme, right? So we know that this enzyme is safe. It is present in the ecosystem of your gut. It's present in the soil. Um, and so we're not, and we're combining those two things together. So we're not introducing anything new. We're just making sure that you're getting enough of this enzyme at the right place in the right time for, because of the modern behavior of drinking alcohol, which is not something that our body naturally adapted to do. And so- because we're doing that, we are we we are eliminating essentially all unknowns, right? And so, like the fact that we've changed its DNA in some way is not even unnatural. We we literally leverage the way that bacteria bacteria change their own DNA like all the time, like billions of times a second. Um, and uh, uh, you know that's happening in, in a pond, right? And so, like bacteria are constantly editing their own DNA. They have their own processes in place for doing that. We literally just direct the process that bacteria already uses to change its own DNA, so that it it will specifically take up this enzyme. In, in it at a time that we know it will like the bacteria would have already taken up this this enzyme or the gene that encodes this enzyme you know many many times throughout evolutionary history it's just that like we don't have that strain sitting in our lab so we made sure that we had that one so you're arguably using a natural pathway we are definitively using i mean like all genetic engineering is just leveraging bi biology has spent three billion years figuring this out right like we're like, humans did not like make this up <laughs> like we just like we're really just directing a process that already is happening it's the same as like plant crossbreeding it's something that we're just directing a natural process. And, and I and I can't remember the, I can't reference it because I don't remember the scientists, but I remember somebody mentioning, this is not new. This is something that's been occurring for a long time. Yeah. We just started to apply a label to it that had the negative connotation. But like this apple that you think you've been having that's genetically modified, we've been genetically modifying apples for a long time. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it depends on, I mean, it gets a little semantic, right? What you call yeah. genetic engineering. I think like people who make that argument are saying like, look, Plant cross, like selective crossbreeding, is a form of moving genes from one back, from one organism to another, right? And it's so like that's genetic engineering. And in a way, you could argue that it is. I think that people get upset because they think, well, that's a natural process, okay. and like, and then now we're able to sort of like take you know genes from like say like uh, a fungus and put it into a bacteria, which is probably like happens less frequently or something. And so then they right. call that like sort of unnatural genetic engineering, but it isn't in the sense that like. The, the mechanism by which any cell puts DNA into its backbone, into its chromosome, is, is using uh, pro natural processes that, that, ha that already existed. Like scientists are just directing nature in, in a way that we can like predict and control. But like, there's not, I think people imagine like sort of like a scalpel and like right. sewing it together. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's not like, that's not about imagine CRISPR, you know, just like yeah. a little scalpel. Yeah. Right. By, by doing that to bacteria, that doesn't enter your own. Yeah, I mean chromosome or something. Even if it, if it did, it would anyway. Is right? Is the thing at that point right that like like DNA is constantly floating around in the environment. Right? It's exactly like 
us engineering a bacteria so that it has this enzyme, it doesn't now make that bacteria able to like to to edit your DNA or something like that, right? Like that DNA is just a, like it's just a string of like letters, right? And like and, and we're exposed to strings of DNA letters all the time, hmm. right? And they, um, there's all these natural processes that already exist, and so it's really just about like directing uh, nature in a way that is predictable for us. Um, and so and I think that people people get really afraid of that because it sounds so scary or unnatural, but I think that puts us sort of like in this category of like, I, I think it gives like scientists a little too much credit, honestly, more than anything. <laughs> it's like, it's like, we're really just like, we're just understand these things better, but we've been, to your point, we've been doing them a lot for a long time, you know, just l a lot less efficiently than we do now. So if I'm the type of person who's in the grocery store and I see the GMO, non-GMO, and I, I just, you know, by habit, I take the, the non-GMO right. version. Can you just explain to me, like, what are all the possibilities that I'm maybe mentally limiting humanity to that we could solve? Like, beyond Z-Biotics, like, what are all the things that yeah. GMO applications, broadly speaking, can solve for humanity that you kind of want to spread out there to make sure people understand, like, you, we, we shouldn't be as close-minded about this? Totally. I mean, I think that one of the biggest things that, like, depresses me when I talk to, like, a, one of these bigger companies and, you know, we have, they have conversations with us all the time about, like, what we're doing and, they basically say like, we could do this. We choose not to because we think customers won't accept it. And they're basically like saying that they're not. So a good example of this is like, um, uh, so this company, um, uh, Artemis, right? Uh, they, they basically, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Amaris, I'm sorry. Uh, it's company Amaris? Amaris. Okay, cool. Uh, it's company Amaris. Uh, they, they made a, a drug, uh, so it's an animalarial drug called Artemisazin. Um, and so uh, this was, uh, very effective against malaria. Um, it was, and it, basically the way we got the, this was a, a plant extract. And so there was this long and expensive process. You had to grow these plants in a field, harvest them, do this long extraction process to get a small amount of the drug, which means that like, it was not very accessible um, and, uh, you know, it was expensive. And so obviously like in, in countries where malaria is endemic, like this is like really not feasible. And so they used genetic engineering to have a, a microbe make that drug in a bioreactor. So now rather than like, like mowing down forests to plant fields of this plant to make this drug to give it to people, we could like in a room this size with like a bioreactor size of a refrigerator, we can now make enough drug for like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, right? Uh, so like that's genetic engineering like wow. at its best, right? Like, you know, in uh, the first instance of genetic engineering was actually Genentech, right? Like, so, they, so mm. we used to slaughter literally tens of millions of pigs and cows to isolate uh, pig and cow insulin from like pancreases and livers of these animals. We literally drive giant refrigerator trucks into these warehouses and load them up with uh, livers and, and, and uh, pancreases and just like slaughter all these animals, right? And we purify out all the insulin and then we give it to people, right? And Holy shit. Obviously not a sustainable practice. And then uh, Genentech engineered the first bacteria to express human insulin, so not pig or cow insulin, uh, and then uh, basically made the, like, the accessibility of insulin like way more, you know, way able to keep up with kind of like the growing need for type one diabetes when people need human insulin, right? And so um, in, in one fell swoop, you know, tens of millions of animals are changed for like, you know, a few bioreactors in, in a warehouse, right? And so um, it, incredible applications. And so today people are doing this with like all kinds of stuff, right? So right now, like palm oil is in like some crazy, like 50% yeah. of the things in the grocery stores and they're like, and we're literally mowing down rainforest to plant palm trees to get um, palm oil. A quarter and, of Indonesia or something crazy, yeah. yeah. And, and, so, and that's the rainforest that we can never get back. 
um, and we destroy them to get palm oil. And so then there are companies out there that are engineering microbes to make palm oil, right? So genetic engineering to say, like, it's a much more sustainable way for us to get like the things we need. And there's so many examples of this. There's companies building all kinds of stuff. And, and like, it, it really makes my blood boil, right? Like the idea that like in Europe, for instance, um, you know, the whole continent is anti-GMO, right? And like, and so you can't, they, they banned the use of GMOs in Europe. Europe can now waste. Yeah, you, like you cannot get GMOs in Europe. So that's wow. why you can't sell your yeah, product. So that's, I should wow. say you can't get them, but it is extremely stringent regulations on GMOs and you can't grow them there. And they're sitting up there on their high horses as like with a sustainable, yeah. like non-GMO, right? They can't feed themselves. Sick so they're now outsourcing their carbon footprint to Brazil where they're mowing down Brazilian rainforest to plant their organic food wow. that is less yield per acre so that they can have their non-GMO, right? Like destroying the planet. This is while they, it's totally. This fun. is blood boiling. It is. It is insane, right? And so that's not to say that GMOs like the biggest are all good. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not to say that they're all good or that like all these practices that are enabled by it are right. But like the idea that we should just like wholesale remove this opportunity, right? What's like, the, what's the deeper dysfunction here? I mean, we talk about this stuff on the pod a lot, and like the, psych the psychological analysis of this is really interesting. Is it just people's? Is it just people are just like lack of intelligence and inability to have a nuanced conversation? It's not intelligent. What do you think it, it is? It's it's dude. Like, how many? <laughs> I know so much about this, right? But there are so many other things I make uninformed opinions on. Right? It's, like, yeah. it's the it's our it's. I mean, we are. It's impossible for you to have an informed opinion on everything, right? Like, but is it a flawed incentive? Is it caught? Is it like a I political think, issue? We, we yeah. We we want we want shortcuts, right? And so right. somebody tells us it's black and white, simple. GMO is bad. And then, like, and then, and then a politician says, like, oh, I could get more votes if I feed into that. Yeah. And so then, like, let's, let's, go there. Let's, pa let's pass a law that says, that and, you know, and I'm not blaming the politicians, right? Everybody is, and, like, you know, marketing is the same thing, right? What shortcut can I use Total. to, like, make myself look better than my competitor? Do I care that it's, like, destroying the planet? Like, no, because, I mean, like, I don't make that act decision. Like, I, I just don't know. And, like, let's say GMOs, if we say it's on GMO, it's not GMO. So let's say it's on GMO and we sell more. And it's like, that has downstream consequences. Like, Somebody and and they extrapolate right like so so there was a uh, they scientists genetically engineered rice to express beta carotene so that people could get vitamin A mm. in countries where like there was food scarcity and a lot of people were getting like rickets and stuff because they were digging up vitamin A and um and so they planted these fields and GMO anti GMO activists went and burned the fields oh, of rice geez. in like Cambodia and shit like in places where like people can't feed themselves and like you're you're burning it down because it's a GMO it's like. This is not a practice that is detrimental. It's, it's absolutely advantageous, right? So it was golden rice. And it was like, this is the most insane things that, and the reason people get so worked up is because there's this like, you know, there be, there's this echo chamber that happens, right? And then like, and that, that viewpoint constantly gets reinforced with all that, the, the non-GMO butterfly everywhere. And then all these people put up their websites and, and they passionately believe in it yeah. and they spout the misinformation that they heard. And it's like, and it becomes fact. And it becomes then, religion sometimes yeah, too. I mean, it is, and that's, that's part of it, right? Is it, it's, it's beyond, it's, you're not arguing with somebody in a, in a rational state of mind. It is a part That's of their right. identity. Like I am a person who is non-GMO. It's like my belief system, right? Totally. Uh, don't, don't take that snippet. I am not a person who's non-GMO. Right, right, right. But it becomes like a part of like who you are. And so yeah. then if you try and challenge that. To so many things too. The right. Identity thing. Totally. Yeah. And it's like, you try and challenge that as a scientist and be like, actually, you know, GMOs are bad. Like, you know, why? Like, people like, fuck you. Like, you know, like right. they won't hear that. But like, I, I one of the. It's like uh, you called them a name. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, how dare you say that I'm wrong or that my identity is incorrect? Yeah. And like, so I have to, we, we, uh, early in the early days of Z-Box, we did a bunch of like, um, you know, 
phone calls and stuff like that and focus groups about like, and, and we, in part, we focus on the GMO part of the, you know, my about this was, was that most people, if you gave them the product they want, they wouldn't care one way or the other. And, um, and so we, we, but we tested that and we asked a lot of people questions. Um, and, and so we did like these surveys and we, and we, and, and, uh, we did this one survey where we asked people about their GMO sentiments. And then we selected six people from that survey who had identified as very like strongly anti-GMO and who consider themselves like pretty well educated on the topic. And, um, and then we brought them in for a focus group and the goal was not to convince them about anything or anything, you know, convert them. It was just to learn like, where they get the information, how they think about this kind of stuff. So right. spent an hour asking all these kind of questions and, and like one of the big kind of bits of feedback was that like, they know that there's a bunch of misinformation out there on both sides and they, they just don't know who to trust. And so they kind of look for like the geometric middle here, like, of like, you know, what am I hearing? And I'm hearing a lot more anti-GMO stuff. So it's probably bad. And so people, these are people who are trying to, to educate mm. themselves. Right. Wow. And they're, and they're, and then they have these like kind of like perceptions that are, you know, misinformed and it's not, it's not even their fault. Right. So how do you know what the good information is? And so anyway, uh, afterwards, it was like a meet and greet. We were chatting and, uh, with some of the folks. I was talking, talking to this woman on one, on the panel, and she spent the last hour saying how she was anti-GMO, and she always made sure she bought non-GMO products when she cooked for her church and all this kind of stuff, right? And then she goes, you know, well, what do you do? And so oh, I tell shit. her, and, uh, and she goes, wow, that's so cool. Can I try it? And I said, well, yeah, of course, but, you know, it's a GMO. And she's like, oh, that's okay. It was like, Wait. yeah, because it was like a whole different thing right like like she used to give gmos as like you know evil like monsanto and like you know round up ready corn and like like that's how she's thinking about it like they're destroying the planet and then i say well i'm genetic, genetically engineering a probiotic to help you feel better the day after drinking and you're like and she's like well that sounds like a cool use of the technology right so like that was like my moment Whoa. right that like we could we can elevate this conversation you know we can actually have an impact on that. was that because she had a little personal relationship she saw you face to face and then you just said yeah i, I, I think i think that I think that like the connection was important, right? To see like a human, that's the other thing, right? Like, like it is like this, these faceless companies, like science, the evil scientists in a lab playing God, you know, but then you talk to somebody and, you know, and you see, and, and when I explained specifically what we did, right? Like I didn't go into the nitty gritty details, but just like, you know, like exactly how I explained it here. And like, um, you know, I think that makes it more approachable, more acceptable. And, and, you know, you kind of, you get to move out of this, like us versus them into something right. that's like more rational and reasonable. So that, that's our goal. And that's why mm. we always say proudly GMO on our website, on every bottle, every box. Like the goal is to, like link the technology to the benefit, which is something that like hasn't really happened before. We got to get Zach a radically moderate t-shirt. Yeah. So we, yeah. we, we kind of have this like little, I don't know if it's a motto, but it's more like a saying that kind of encapsulates what, what we tend to, to arrive at, which is. Yes. You know, the, the radical extremes are the ones that are loudest. Totally. The radically moderate are the people, not necessarily in the geometric, you know, middle right. or mean. Exactly. But just User's understand it, it's, yes. it's nuanced. It's yes. different. And wow. you got to be open-minded at all times. Yeah. You got to take a little Bayesian approach. Like, as you learn more data, totally. you adapt your hypothesis. It's never a fact. It's yes. always a hypothesis. Yes. And so, yeah, anyway, you kind of, like, fit right in. It's true. <laughs> it is deeply my belief. Like, yeah, there is no black and white. Right. No. No such thing. Well, uh, it's been amazing. Yeah, I, and Zach, I got to give you big ups. I mean, we're entrepreneurs. We, we joke about how being an entrepreneur at most times is like eating glass and staring <laughs> down this big, dark abyss. Totally. And it's, it's not easy. And we always try to like celebrate entrepreneurs who either failed or succeed. But, right. you know, you just happen to be in the ones that that's doing really well. So. Yeah, yeah, big I ups mean, to you, man. It's not easy. It's funny. I, there's some weird psychology about this, all right? Because like it's like eating glass, but like we but love. You're it. addicted to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. still love. Yeah. Yeah. But we, but we do it all. Like I, I can't. Like it's pretty. Like maybe like 
three months into starting ZBox, I was like, I'm never having a job again. Like this is, I'm doing, yeah. this is, we're doing for the rest Welcome of Welcome to life. the dark side. Yeah, yeah. Right. exactly, right? It was like, <laughs> how, how can I ever go back, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, you have to be a different breed, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. or sometimes it breeds you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, guys. Well, this is lovely. This Thanks is for having so us in your fun, office, man. by the way. Oh, thank you guys so much. This is, yeah, I, I, let me rant for about, I don't know how long, an hour and a nah, half. Nah, you're, you're a rock star, dude. You're a rock star. Yeah, next yeah. time we'll talk about something that you're interested in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, people are going to love this episode. Thank cool. you, man. Cool, yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, share this with a friend if you're listening. This was definitely a first guest we've had in a while. We love having guests on. And honestly, you were my favorite so far, Zach. Cool. Not, not that we love all our children. Right, right, right. Totally love all our children. You said all your guests. Yeah. <laughs> Check the record. No. Um, but thank you, man. Much appreciated. And uh, yeah. All right. Later, Later everybody. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.